0: Previously on Martini John York. You went to Hackley? Yeah What? You didn't know that? No Yeah Where's Hackley? Are you serious?
1: What's Hackley?
2: I used to play you guys
0: What? You were uh, Greenwich Day, right?
2: No, Trinity Pauling
0: Oh, you were Trinity? Wow We probably I did. used to
2: play squash against you guys or I used to go to Oh,
0: no, I was track and field Women's <laughs> Yeah. You went to the glass house? I went to the glass house in... Okay, I- I'm sorry. The glass house is one of the most important pieces of architecture
3: yeah, in the cannon. world
1: as a as a residence. And you played squash against him and Goebbels no, there? No, no, no.
0: My so, like, son went to Brown right. and is a stockbroker at Bear Stearns. That's a story.
1: That's a checkbox.
0: That's a check. That's, that's that's
1: three checks boxes. That's three check boxes. Yeah. yeah. And like the thing is, Eric is, is
0: like, Eric is looking at me, and I can tell by his smile that you're, you you get it, right? Am I am I am I delivering the goods on this?
2: Yeah, you're delivering the goods on this. Um, <laughs> because you're in the same boat, Give me right?
0: The goods. I, I hear <clears> that.
2: I think my response is different today because I actually had therapy this morning. So, uh, <laughs>
1: but now it's my therapy. pipes are clean. Yeah.
0: Welcome back, Martini Giant fans. This is episode number 41, which is Early Woody Allen. That is what we're calling it. If you are a fan of the show, you will know that we mentioned Woody Allen several times and talk about a lot of the variety of work that he does. And we also mentioned that we should do episodes, not one episode, but multiple episodes of Woody Allen. Uh, Don't worry, we are not going to do them consecutively because you're not going to get Woody Allen out if we do that. But... This particular episode is going to be uh, the early Woody Allen, Uh, 1966 What's Up Tiger Lily, which is only available on YouTube as far as I could find it. Hopefully uh, you guys will be able to see it there. Uh, There's also Bananas from 1971, hilarious comedy, as well as Sleeper from 1973, also a hilarious comedy. This is his early work. This is his comedy work, his slapstick work, his... Work That resembles the Marx Brothers. It's a very different, very different Woody Allen from what happened later in life. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, pretty funny, funny stuff. Uh, good to discuss that. Uh, we are all fan of Woody Allen's work, not Woody Allen himself as a person. We don't know him as a person, but uh, you know, my instincts tell me not to go on a canoe trip with him. But uh, I still think he, his work is pretty interesting, and uh, we have feel strongly about talking about that uh we are also uh want to say one more thing uh we recorded this uh from home so we're all in our virtual homes obviously you know you know we're still practicing social is- social isolation uh last time we uh presented an episode uh where we recorded remotely uh, there was a serious latency problems, which we have overcome with a lot of effort. And uh, so now it's going to be much better. So hopefully you'll be able to enjoy that part of it uh, this time around. No more latency. That's all I got to say. All right. Please enjoy What Type Tiger Lily, Bananas, and Sleeper by Woody Allen. So this was fun, actually. These three movies, pretty, <laughs> pretty Pretty good to watch this and not be too, not too, uh, not too heady, but also you can be a little heady if you want to be, but it was funny. They,
1: they have a uh, sort of a, a, heady base to them, but they are completely idiotic, which is what I they really enjoy. They are idiotic. Yeah.
0: And that's the, that's what makes them enjoyable.
1: Right.
0: Hey, Eric, they, can you pan your camera up a little bit? Cause all I see is the bottom of your mouth. There you go.
3: Really? Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's different for every viewer, so it's good. Not that, and and, and Dan, you don't have to have your video on, but if I you have it on it's, on, it's enjoyable. It's enjoyable. Does it? Um, so one thing I gotta say is, uh, so I decided to finally watch um, uh, what's up, Tiger Lily yesterday, mm-hmm. um, and Karen and I said, can we watch this with the kids? Like, That's a good question. <laughs> yeah, right. and we kind of warned them. It's like there may be some things in here that feel a little racist,
1: a little off base. Not necessarily so far as to say racist, but they're they're uh, they're a little out of the blue for uh, right. For I mean,
0: thing, they they say things that you wouldn't necessarily say today. You wouldn't right. use the term "oriental" when referring
1: to a right. person, for example. Huh. This is just a time frame. <laughs> Right, yeah, But
0: it is not in 19, what is it, 1966? Is that what it was?
1: Yeah, yeah somewhere around there, 66, 67. And so, yeah, yeah. They, what was acceptable back then is, you know, some some of it is not acceptable now. And right. uh, you just have to sort of take it with a grain of salt. As to, you know, their intentions were good, and they just had a different frame of reference than we do.
0: Right. Yeah. So, um, but we also thought it was like this, when we, when I first saw this movie, you know, many, many, many years ago, and I've seen it many times. I've probably seen it about three or four times, maybe. Mm-hmm. I think the first time I saw it was with my dad. I was a teenager. When was the first time you guys saw it?
1: Probably when I was about eighteen or twenty.
0: Uh, yeah. early nineties. Early nineties. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I probably saw it mid late nineties, something like that. Um. Anyway, so and 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 so watching with the. Kids, I was like, are they gonna get this? Because it's weird, it's a weird movie. Right? Turns out it totally makes sense to them. (laughs) Good, you know why? Why is that part of the YouTube generation of people that make shit like this up all the time?
1: Yeah, it's like a big. Like, this TikTok is actually trip. very common and normal, <laughs> right? Right? Exactly. Absolutely.
0: To re-edit a video and put your own voices on top. Yeah, it was completely
2: completely ahead of its time with that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, this
0: was 1966. It was a very bizarre movie to make, right? And they were like, "No, this is hilarious." And then, like in the YouTube generation, this t- makes total sense. So they were getting it. They saw. They figured out all the jokes, and it was like, "Yeah, great, hilarious." Yeah. You know. really interesting
1: yeah and i think that uh like (laughs) like it this is actually some of it like i think that it's not it's not his funniest film by a long shot but it does have some of my favorite of his one-liners and they're just they're just tossed off so fast that it's just hysterical and i think that was it's one of his freest most interesting you know sort of little well first of all
0: why don't you give us or one of you guys give us the premise
1: of the quick yeah and then yeah uh, Give us a
0: premise.
2: Dan, Great, you can well, do that. You're better at me than me at that. But there is some, Matt, I was going to talk about the film, but let's do the breakdown first, I guess, right? Well, yeah. it's super,
1: this one's super easy just because it's essentially a, uh, like he didn't shoot anything for this movie outside of like some credits stuff. This is a actual Japanese film. Loving
2: Spoonful. Loving oh, Spoonful
3: yeah, stuff. Yeah, right.
1: that's the extra stuff that was put in later by the studio. Um, really? Not, it, yeah, yeah, no, this is, it's actually originally like an hour long, this thing. And it, and it feels like it should be an hour long. Um, right. but the studio added a bunch of extra material, uh, to theatricalize it. And in because of that, it's a little draggy, I think. Like the, uh, the uh, like yeah. the original stuff is much, much funnier and plays a little better. Uh, but they essentially just took a, uh, a Japanese crime movie, uh, like a Japanese ripoff, low budget James Bond movie. Um, Stripped out the soundtrack and all the dialogue. And then, uh, well, they didn't strip it out, you can still sort of hear most of the soundtrack, but the, uh, they just record over, they dub over all of the dialogue, uh, with a completely unrelated plot line uh, to the original movie. And did they re- so
0: did, did they keep the original edit or did they re-edit it too?
1: I believe they shuffle around a little bit. I mean, it's essentially yes. the same, same movie, but they, uh, they reposition stuff so their version makes sense. Uh, okay. And so it goes from a you know sort of a regular trashy spy thriller to a uh, trashy spy thriller that's about um, trying to find the world's greatest recipe for uh, 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 egg salad sandwiches and egg salad <laughs> and, uh, because the there's the the head of this uh, of this um, country thinks that that will really put them on the map and they'll finally have a country of their own. Uh, on literally on the map because uh, they don't exist yet as a real country, and uh, the, if they're known for their perfect egg salad, then uh, they'll they'll be put on the globe.
0: It's really, really the goofiest and silliest idea possible.
1: Yeah, it's extremely dumb. And like the uh, and like when we are, for what we were talking about earlier, like this, the the jokes in this movie are not at the expense of uh, Asian culture. They're just about. Dumb action movie tropes and the sort of the ideas that American culture at the time had about kung fu movies and Japanese film and stuff like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that the, uh, uh, if anyone's a little tentative about saying it, it's actually a much easier, uh, less offensive watch than even I was worried it would be. Um, yeah. like it's just plain silly. It's just a very, very, it's very, very silly. goofy. Yeah. Very, goofy. very
0: goofy. I, like I said, I watch it with my kids. And, you know, there are things in there that are like, yeah, maybe the kid shouldn't have seen that or whatever. But sure. it's fine. No, yeah. There it's like, for example, quote unquote, covered up nudity. <laughs> right? <laughs> right. They're strippers. Right. Do You know, right. the girl at the end.
1: Who strips.
2: Yeah. Do you know who that is?
1: No. Yeah. She, she's the Playboy model, right?
2: Sharon Lee uh, Lee. But she was Mort Saul's wife. Who is Mort Saul? She was whose wife? The comedian, Mort Saul. he was a writer. He actually worked with um, Woody Allen on like the show of shows. Sid Caesar's show of oh, shows. Oh,
1: yeah. Well, that makes sense. Really? Yeah, okay. There you go. Okay. Yeah, there Strange. you go. Strange. Strange. Yeah, that's...
2: She was the first Asian Playboy playmate.
1: That's right. That's
0: right. Really interesting.
1: Yeah. So I think the viewers today. Have I sent four. you
0: guys
2: a photo on the email that I found the other day. And it's amazing photo. Because usually, you know, this it's Yoko Ono, which usually, mm-hmm. I found her pictures of her as a baby and as a young woman before John and all that. It's it's really strange to see because it's totally a different context.
1: Really? Oh, I only know Yoko Ono from her. John.
2: Yeah. Script, yeah. So when you see these photos, you're like, wow, it's unbelievable how um, she was pretty, pretty, pretty. But um, different, you know, not the 70s kind of.
0: Right. Right.
2: Garb, you know, not
0: the hippie girl. Not the hippie girl. Um mm-hmm.
2: yeah, the the thing about like I spent a period of my life where I, I pretty much I I listened to um he had um Who? Uh, Woody Allen had a comedy album called um the Woody Allen stand-up. And mm-hmm. I pretty much that was a heavy tape rotation. I used to drive back when I was in undergrad in Pittsburgh and I dated a girl in New York City, I used to drive to the city on Thursday nights. So it was seven hours. Mm-hmm. Right. And I would heavy rotation heavy rotation that or darkness on the edge of town by Bruce Springsteen. I pretty much memorized like yeah, you know, I shot a moose in upstate New York. I'd like all of Woody Allen's early years. <laughs> and right. so much of I forgot like how much he pulled from his stand up routine. Like, oh, even sure. if it was a theme, you know? Right. Like uh, the egg salad thing, he mentions. He, right. does, a, he does a thing where, um, you know, was it selling his uncle selling him recipes and stuff on his deathbed or something? But the point is, like, there's little touch points of like his stand up routine just right. kind of expanded, you know? And I'm wondering if those recessions were just like with Louis Lasser from. He was also uh, in Bananas. Bananas. But you can also Ooh, you go place, to Sleeper too, and I know mm-hmm. Sleeper was on the list. You can kind of see the evolution of like using the women he loves or is dating
1: mm-hmm.
2: and builds the character around because Oh yeah, and, and
1: is inspiration for
2: Yeah, uh, because then it's it just Diane Keaton and his this comedic style changed and it worked with her. Right, right. And um whereas you know, you watch Sleeper, and I know we're jumping ahead to Sleeper. I was watching that, and I've told you guys before, like, you know, when I was a kid, I used to rent all the Woody Allen films because our library had the first rental videotape place in the 70s, mm. and so I would – I could do four at a time, and I would I lived off – I mean, I've seen all his movies over 25 times, and I can't remember – I watched it again, Sleeper again today, and I was like, that's Buffalo 66. Do you know what I mean? Like the incompatibility and like what? And he kind of like Vincent Gallo, that where it's I can't believe I'm with you, but I'm above this. But yet I'm so sexually attracted to you that I'm willing to forget. You know it that you're a knucklehead, but she's not a knucklehead. Do you know what I mean? And it's that real contrast back and forth of characters because he's he. You know, Vincent. To bring it to Buffalo '66, Vincent Gallo had like no patience for her. He was better than her. You're an idiot. How could you think right. this way? But I'm so attracted to you, <laughs> and, yeah, and I'm, yeah, willing exactly. to, I'm willing to forgive everything that I, I scream about. And right. uh, I th- I didn't realize how close Vincent Gallo pulled from that kind of Diane oh, yeah, Woody Allen vibe. I thought right. was the most successful. Um, I I do love. Uh, um broadway danny rose it's my fa- one of my favorite favorite woody allen films but the chemistry between him and diane keaton was
1: oh it's phenomenal
2: was it's more phenomenal. sexual too do you know what i mean yeah
1: Than, well, i think I mean like i think that i think you're right in pointing out like there's a the way that he uh you know the way he initially uh treats keaton in sleeper uh you know is sort of like i'm the smart one you're the dummy Right, but right. she slowly reveals herself to be the smart one. In fact, like the joke later on, uh, when they're just like he's like, yeah, you're dealing with one of the smartest minds you'll ever meet, and uh, and then she goes, yeah, and he's not too bad either. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, like I like, think that because that get, that continues on into his movies where like Annie Hall is, uh, you know, like she's super flaky. But mm-hmm. uh, she is clearly very smart and very talented. Mm-hmm. And over the course of the movie, she becomes less flaky um, as all that sort of. Uh, as she gets more story,
0: grounded, he's not. She, well, exactly. He becomes less necessary. And that's what exactly. sends them apart. Yeah, um, exactly. the, the other thing is, it's like, just correctly. Um,
2: that you also realize like how much, you know, You we talked about how Vincent took from Woody, but it's like. Woody, the, the kind of like the Bob Hope road to Morocco kind of things. That oh, was the him. same thing. Yeah. You know, that kind yeah. of Bob Hope, whoever was the leading lady, you know, yeah. I'm smarter than you, but wait a minute. No, you're in control. As yeah, I always exactly. say about my, my, the relationship with Nancy, who I've been with for 24 years, he's like, um, uh, I'm in charge, but she's in control is the way I describe <laughs> it.
3: <laughs> right. What's and, the L line and-
1: from a uh, big fat Greek wedding with, uh, the, uh, was mm-hmm. the, the husband is the head of the family and the, and the wife is the neck. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great one.
2: But uh, yeah, it's so you get that sense. There was Bob Hope, Bob Hope. Whereas right. there was a little bit like the early stuff. It was very Marx Brothers.
1: Oh yeah. That's great. And I think that like the, uh, like there's a certain, when you brought up a up, like he's incorporating so much of his stand-up in this uh, into um, both bananas and sleeper and all his early stuff. And, Take the Money and Run is like 100% stand-up material. That was a thing for a long time. Like, oh, yeah. Like, of, like you want to make a comedian into a movie star, you just import their act and frame it as a movie and find the loosest way to string all this stuff together, and then they just do their act. And uh, you see that a lot less now. What's, but but what's interesting, the 80s.
2: At, What's interesting, if you look at his evolution, it's like, you know, What's Up, Tiger Lily was essentially media ma- manipulation right he took mm-hmm. an existing film and dubbed it and did trickery right right then when he does um take the money and run which is his next film it was a fake documentary
1: yeah and it's right? actually very we're not talking about that one specifically tonight but that uh, no but the point but, is but that's a that really cutting edge movie yeah
2: Virgil Starkwell and it was like <laughs> that too though was media manipulation so he was hiding totally. behind this facade and I'm wondering because he was like thinking maybe because I'm stand-up or something yeah. else that he had to use a gimmick yeah. uh, in order to do that you know
1: um well and, and, order- and what's up tiger lily really sort of takes advantage of the fact because like you know when you transpose stand-up shticks to movies you can feel how uh, crazy quilt the subject matter is. Like, it doesn't hang together. It's not made to hang together as a movie. Um But like what you're saying is like, it's a way to uh excuse that, you know, like you're watching this dubbed uh English, dubbed Japanese movie. Like you're not expecting it to make a lot of sense. And so the fact that it goes all over the place is perfectly acceptable. It's totally fine. Mm-hmm. And uh, makes it flow a little bit better because you're waiting on the, on the next gag as opposed to caring about characters or any of that stuff.
0: Yeah. It's all it's all about the jokes, right? Yeah. It's all about the one-liners and, right,
1: totally.
0: You know, him passing the line of prostitutes and it's like, "Mom, what are you
1: doing here?" You know, like, <laughs> yeah, it's just one-liners, exactly. Right, it's just one-liner after one-liner, <laughs> so
0: and good. and that's fine. That's fine. That's the joke. That's what you're right. there to see. You know, well, not what you're there. That's what you. you know, that's what you get. Um, yeah. And it's not. We should actually. Uh, this because these are basically the, the whole premise of this Woody Allen thing is this came up on our previous podcast is that we were going to talk about uh, the different stages of Woody Allen films right and we're starting with this earliest work which was really heavily based on his stand-up as we right. mentioned right so it was the stuff that he had done back in his 60s when he was a stand-up comedian which stand-up comedians in the 60s, especially in the Woody Allen thing, was a lot about one-liners, right? It was a lot about these little one-line jokes. It was not right. the in-depth – it was not trying to actually teach you a life lesson in any way. I mean right. although Woody Allen did eventually try to teach you some horrible or strange or disturbing or important life lessons. Yeah, he gets, he gets very
1: serious later on. Yeah. gets
0: very serious. Uh, but really he was known for being – a goofy stand up comedian. And so his movies were about goofy stand up stuff. And then this was clearly experimental, but the writing was goofy stand up in a lot of ways,
1: right? Yeah, totally. But I think, Eric, yeah. like, you're right. Like, it's a really, it is really a, uh, like, it's not like watching again. I'm like, this is essentially on one level just a dumb gag, but the, uh, the, it it sort of goes beyond novelty into being actually artistically creative because like there is like a cutting edge element to this thing, you know, like it's so meta, it's so crazy meta in a way that I'm, I'm sure people had done, but not quite to that level. Like that's a really strange thing to do in the 1960s. Like people would would joke about stuff like this, but they wouldn't like commit to it as hardcore as he does. Right. Uh, And, uh, and like in the use of, and like between, you know, like you're saying with that, you know, the use of media, it's like, he opens up bananas with Howard Cosell doing an announcement of, of, of an assassination. Like he's covering it like it's a sports, um, you know, like a, a sports, pod, a sports that, podcast.
0: That movie that we have to, Oh, we have to get to that one because that one is, that one's actually, it's really funny, yeah. but it's, it's making fun. It's, Putting a lot of levity into some horrific situations. Oh
1: yeah, like I think that's the most sort of that's the most savvy that's the, of the brilliance movies. of it, right? Yeah, like there's like I think Sleeper is hysterical, but it's uh, but it's not quite like Sleeper is a more classically funny movie uh, than right. Bananas is. Maybe Bananas is a little scatter shot in its comedy, but like Bananas really makes some political jokes, like some heavy, oh yeah. uh, like heavy statements <laughs> that are pretty, yeah, great, you know.
0: Well, so does Sleeper. But Mm -hmm. in a different context, right? Sure. It's like a bit. Sleepers joke is like we're they even they even make a joke about it in Sleeper. It's like same shit, different future. You know what I mean? Exactly. Sing the same rebel song in both movies.
1: (laughs) Rebels are we born to be free, free. just like the fish in the sea. sea. So good.
0: Yeah, yeah, they so sing fantastic. the same stupid rebel song <laughs> in both movies, pointing out that rebels are the same. You know, Two hundred years later, or in you know, in uh, Central America, where you know,
1: you know, well, all those
0: communist yeah. states, and everyone's. Fighting and and
1: so. in both cases, like in in Bananas, uh, the rebels, yeah, the rebels win, and then immediately. Turn bad, like they, right. <laughs> like, yeah. and in sleeper, uh, they get away with, uh, you know, the, uh, uh w- you know, they escape, uh, but in the end, he, he's like, don't you understand? You know, in six months, we're gonna be stealing Erno's nose, right? <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's like the same thing's gonna repeat itself. Like people, people in power are going to, you know, be corrupt their power. immediately. That's what's gonna yeah. happen. Yeah. Um. All
0: right. So let's, uh, let's 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 go to let's go to bananas, <laughs> let's go bananas uh and talk about oh, can like i that. can
1: i first quote my my favorite line from um uh what's up target lily yes of uh, course and it's just the vo- the timing and the voice is so great when uh, uh lincoln? <laughs> and the guy says oh, i thought you said you loved me and he goes i love you in my own way <laughs> <laughs> the, the best one is like think of three presidents
2: and so, and then he's like he looks down below and he's like lincoln <laughs> oh
3: <laughs> so good <laughs> Brady, so Brady, good. So good.
0: Brady quotes that one. <laughs> Very funny. Yeah, Pretty that's
1: funny. that's a winner. That's a winner. <laughs> yes. But you can yes. only see that one on YouTube. And, yeah, uh, so
0: What's Up Tiger Lily is, uh, again, I, I I was trying to find it. I, we seem to be picking things that are only available on YouTube because they're too obscure.
1: Yeah, it's true. Uh, did I you guys find to, Sleeper? I did find... No, th- did I? forget? I, I did. I did not find sleeper. I, okay. uh, I had to watch sleeper in pieces on YouTube. Oh,
3: okay. It was, uh,
1: it was really. I, I think it may have just been pulled from its last, last service. Like it, it was, so. It yeah. What's up, like Tiger I Lily?
0: I found it on. I looked it up on Amazon, and it was available on VHS tape. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's about right. <laughs> that about These right. are obscure films, uh, hard to find. Is true.
1: Um, but like we were saying last night when we were just talking. Uh, I think that people have been quarantined for long enough that they have reached the very end of, uh, what there is to watch. And, uh, I'm hoping that, uh, they get a kick out of it. Like I do of finding things that are obscure on YouTube, uh, that, uh, that once you've run out of Westworld, uh, starts filling the, uh, filling the hole. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. It's interesting.
1: And I think that sleeper is actually a great, I think that Westworld season four should look into the sleeper vibe. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's the appropriate way to go for that show. Yeah. yeah. Be best. yeah. Rebels are we, born to be free. Rebels Just like a free
0: <laughs> I was trying to explain sleeper to my kids and they were like, uh uh and I was like, oh hold on, there's a very easy explanation to this. It's called Futurama. It's the same plot oh, yeah. as Futurama. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's exactly the same plot. Exactly true. Exactly the true. guy wakes up 200 years later and then he's you know going to fight a cause, but more adult themes throughout the yeah. whole process. But All right, let's get to bananas. So bananas. like you said, it opens up like a uh, a wild world, the wild world of sports. What's interesting about it is I, like I said, I, I didn't grow up in the United States during that time. I was living uh, abroad. And so I would always hear imitations of Howard Cassell, right? (laughs) Because everyone always did imitations of him. And so when I watched the movie, and it's actually Howard Cassell doing a sports broadcast about uh, an assassination of someone, which is brilliant, right? (laughs) They're covering... They're basically covering. Just to give people that, this is in a uh, a small country in Central America. I'm assuming it's supposed to be somewhere in like Central America, right? And they're going to assassinate San Mar- the press. San, San Marcos, Marcos. which oh, is have, not a San real Marcos country, have, not a real place. They have like
2: popular prices. Right. I wonder if reminded <laughs> of. Oh my God! <laughs> <laughs> and that that straw um what is it um uh, what, uh, the uh, wild strawberries
1: yeah the reference. Um, yeah oh yeah 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 good god <laughs> with
2: the, with, the, with the crosses the crucifix scene
1: he loves the bergman yeah that's when the dream with the uh, parking the crucifix yeah. <laughs> it's amazing so yes uh, bananas let's uh, uh we'll give you the short form of that is, uh, Woody Allen plays Fielding Mellish and, uh, Fielding Mellish is a, uh, is,
0: the names are amazing.
1: Fielding <laughs> yeah. Mellish is like, what the
0: hell? How well, did you come up with that
1: name? Fielding Mellish and, uh, Fielding, Fielding Mellish, uh, is, uh, has had trouble getting girlfriends and it's a lonely man. He's a product and tester. He's a product tester, uh, for, uh, God, what, it, uh, like there's industrial yeah, design, industrial, this, yeah, absolutely nonsense stuff, you know, and, yeah. uh, like the, uh, the sizer and stuff like this, where you exercise at your desk and, uh, you know, joke like this. And this is a good way to sort of go through a lot of, uh, Woody Allen shticks, you know, like lots right. of, uh, single shot comedy that, um, but, uh, he gets mixed up, um, with, uh, like someone comes to his door, Louise Lasser, who was married to Alan at the time. Uh, uh. Oh, she was? She, I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah. And, uh, and she is a uh, – she's going door to door to talk he about the – He marries the
0: same women over and over again. He has yeah. a type
1: for sure, you know. he He
0: likes the girls that are like – a they little bit dodgy uh, and like they can't like, I, you know, they're well, like train the, of train of thought, like rambling, like, right. Like yeah. the,
1: the truest uh, version of Alan's life in a movie, at least early on is gotta be Annie Hall where he really, he yeah. clearly, I mean, I don't know anything about this dude's personal life, but the thing that he's, he gravitates towards is like, um, he dates, uh, or marries, uh, very smart intellectual people who have, uh, low self-esteem. Uh, so he can be the, funny one (laughs) the smart Mm -hmm. one and then slowly they uh you know they come into their own and he divorces them you know like this is (laughs) like that's more or less what what he does and then he he makes fun of that himself in his own movies but like he i don't think he ever really got by that i think that he uh you know all the women in his movies are very uh are at least normally drawn to be very uh smart folks um right but i think in annie hall he was most honest where he's like this is my trap is like, you know, I, uh, I end up with someone like this and then they get away from me because I can basically no longer be the star of the show. And, yeah. uh, and, uh, which is a pretty amazing bit of self critique in a hard hearted movie like, uh, that. And, uh, even a very funny movie. Um, but Louise Lasser, I think falls into the camp as well because she's obviously super smart and very funny on her own terms in bananas. And, uh, then she just sort of disappears from the Woody Allen sphere. Uh, so she,
0: she, yeah. It's a, so so she comes into his life as basically like she's a door to door person trying to get people to sign a petition for some political cause. Right. And because he's lonely and she's kind of cute, uh, he he has her to hang out and try to buy right. her, a, give her a drink or whatever. Right. And she's like, no, no, I just need you to sign this thing. And right.
1: then, yeah, they end up but, dating, so but he is boring.
2: So but she you can leaves see it. that transition from that type of girl because. When he was in Annie Hall, mm-hmm. the first girl he dated, he's like, you know, I was trying to do basically what uh, – I dated a girl from the Johnson administration and I was trying to do to her what he
1: did to Johnson the was doing to <laughs> the country. Right. And that type right. of
2: girl in the bag with a voice like this is she worked for a politician. But then he right. breaks from that and goes with Annie,
3: who right. doesn't
2: care about politics. So that was a transitional from his character of like –
3: Right. Yeah,
1: it's true. Because, I mean, like, and, you know, bring in Buffalo 66 also is like, you know, I think that Vincent Gallo at some, you know, at some level knows that he's not a very likable person in, in real life. You know, that he's a hard person to be around. And uh, what makes uh, Buffalo 66 in particular so good is that he really admits it. Like, guy's a jerk. Uh, and, he's, and he's really sort of, like, mentally abusive to everybody he meets all the time. And, right. uh, and it's only because Christina Ricci is like forgiving enough to see that there's a good person somewhere in there that he has access to his goodness. And that's what makes the movie attractive. And I right. think that that's, uh, that's essentially what happens for Alan, at least during the seventies, you know, like he, d- he doesn't pull any punches at being a, uh, pretty, you know, wormy self-conscious, uh, you know, uh, egotistical narcissist in his movies (laughs) like he's very aware of who he
2: is the interesting thing too it's like even down to the music because i was a huge yes fan as a kid in the 70s that was my first band i saw like not walking next door but like going and see it at at the madison square gardens yes in 1978 and um it just even the music is not stuff that normal people like it's it's just like this is what i like so f you right and right. the takeaway from buffalo 66 <clears throat> a lot of that even down to making it because when i i told you that story i was in the theater and then he was in front of me and then he got up and talked about the movie yeah he like, yeah, yeah. told mm-hmm. that story yeah i want to he was talking about like how the dp hated him because he he wanted everything shot on reversal film right, right. and it was hard to do and hard to get and but it gave a look. So even sure. DP level, he was like, I don't care. <laughs> right.
1: Well, yeah, because so, like, I think that there's something like, that, you know, I I don't think that it's necessary to be a raging narcissist, pushy prick to make good work. But uh, it's not surprising when raging narcissists, you know, do, do great work because they have, like, if they're any good at all, they're going to have it exactly their way, you know, and there are plenty of filmmakers that are, like this you know that are just like i'm gonna have it my way because i know what is good and if you are a jerk and you're not any good then you usually don't get good get anywhere but if you're a jerk and you are very good you might get very far and uh it's sort of unfortunate but that is you know there are plenty of filmmakers we can think of like who have reputations like this you know mm. and uh and i think that uh like it's interesting that like Woody Allen is not known for being a jerk on the set at all, you know, like he is uh more or less a one take guy and he's not a very uh, abrasive person, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, uh, interaction, but he clearly is going to have it the way he's going to have it, you know, and he's created, he created a bubble for himself uh, over the years of, you know, creating things and distribution and all this stuff. And he's just, gonna well, he's also like ass- he-
2: asshole theory too, by the way, Dan, What's that? <laughs> T- tell me the asshole theory. Mm. They just propose like, you know, like too much of an asshole. It's kind of like um, that old Bob Dylan line from uh, from Infidel's album in 82. It's like steal a little and they throw you in jail, steal a lot, and they make you a king. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. And it's just, you know, it's the same thing. Or to well, quote, I remember uh, – quote my friend
1: Brian, Brian White, um, if he's listening? Hello, Brian. The, one of the most uh, uh, repeatable things I've ever heard from any friend of mine is when he said, uh, if you're going to be cocky, don't suck. <laughs> I, think that's yeah. I, th- I think that we, that we are perfectly happy to let, uh, people be total dicks if they're great at their job. And, uh, right. Uh, and, uh, you know, for Woody Allen that lasted for a good long time. I think that's it. I'll give you another
0: example. Elon Sinatra. Musk. Yeah, sure. Elon, exactly. right. Sinatra, Elon Musk. Yeah. yeah. If you're going to be is, an asshole and say stupid things, you better fucking back it up.
1: You better back it up. <laughs> That's how it is. I mean, like, yeah, of course, like I don't know any of these people. I don't know what they're actually like in real life, but right. the sort of like the 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 personality that they they put out, you know, their 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 presentational media personality. It's just like some people. You just go like, how did you how did you even say that out loud and not know that it was a bad idea to say that?
0: You know. there was a there was a hilarious interview I remember it was I think it was on 60 minutes or something that I saw Woody Allen this was like years ago it's got to be 25 plus years ago whatever it was and I forgot what film it was but I it was it was Woody Allen and it was a shot it was a single take shot and it was a conversation that was happening and uh it was through a doorway and then he was coming in and out of the shot he was and then he was having a conversation with his wife in the film Mm-hmm. And then she would be coming in and, and coming out. And basically the entire dialogue was happening mostly off camera, but they would right. they would right. come into the doorway and come out of the doorway, et cetera. Yeah, I think this is Hannah and her sisters. Yeah. yeah. I think it was no, it wasn't Hannah and her sisters. Crimes and misdemeanors, maybe? Might have been crimes and misdemeanors.
1: Yeah. That's one of those two.
0: Uh but it was like everyone was like, oh, it's a brilliant shot, et cetera. And it's like, how did you come up with that? It's like I came up with that because I didn't want to do like a multi-take shot. I just wanted to get it done.
1: Yeah. I didn't like, want to do coverage. <laughs> I didn't want to do coverage. <laughs> That's awesome.
3: So I just I
0: was like, we're just going to shoot it from here and we're going to do the whole thing in one take and then we're done right. so that I can just move on. And to right. him, it was like, like a pra- like any, and I think he was actually serious. He's like, he wasn't trying to overanalyze the beauty of the shot, which ended up beautiful. He was right. like, this was just more practical for us to do that because I don't have that kind of time.
1: I think that's yeah. actually very much in that's in mind like his philosophy is very much along those lines and a lot of his movies are about that uh right uh, ideal i mean like he uh like you know in Manhattan um oh which i love and uh, like the reason why i love Manhattan is because of the the statement that he's making essentially is like um is wrapped up in the scene when um uh Diane Keaton and her boyfriend uh are talking about the uh, the Academy of the Overrated, right? And, like, they're just bitching and bitching and bitching about how, like, you know, uh, Gustav Mahler and, uh, you know, like, Beethoven and blah, blah, blah. And all these people are just, like, anyone who likes these people are assholes. They're all overrated. All these artists are overrated. And Woody Allen just goes, you're fucking idiots, essentially. Just, like, you guys are, uh, like, you're intellectualizing something that's beautiful, and then because you can't connect with the beauty of it, you're disconnecting from it and calling it stupid. You know, mm-hmm. and, uh, which is like, I think when I saw that when I was a kid, like rang such a huge bell for me. Uh, and that's been, that's been my stance ever since, or I'm just like, it's kind of like the adult version of, well, it's not cool anymore because everyone likes it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And like the, the, I, I think that, uh, that like the, his anti-elitist ideal, um, is sort of like that's at every level of all of his movies, even going back to the silly stuff that we're talking about tonight and uh, where it's just like, just be in love with things, you know, like, like feel, feel the love you have for a thing and let it be that. instead of like trying to um, hyper intellectualize stuff. And so when it comes down to the shot from the movie, from um uh, crimes and misdemeanors, I mean, it makes perfect sense because it is a beautiful shot. It's a, it's a beautifully staged it's scene. Gorgeous.
0: It's. Yeah. And, and when you're watching it, you're like, wow, because, yeah. You feel the personality. You connect with each people. You see their space that they give each other because yep. it's there, right? Yep. Or, or you imagine it because it's off camera, right. and 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 it's dynamic. Right. But to him, it was like, well, it's that's cool. Yeah. I like that, but I also like it because it's freaking efficient. I do it because we got, tape, the, and we're done.
1: got the thing done exactly. Yeah, yeah Kirikou had a great line about that when he was making uh, Ran, which is one of his great movies from the 80s and uh, yep. you know there's this awesome shot of uh, this, you know burning uh, pagoda war and this incredible incredible frame and this interviewer was asking just like you know like how did you I mean, it's just so uh, strangely and perfectly framed and so evocative and the colors and blah 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 how did you decide to shoot it exactly like this and Kurosawa says mm-hmm. because if I panned to the left you'd see the airport
3: <laughs> yeah <laughs> You know? yep. <laughs> I yep. think that's, that's
1: I really admire uh artists who uh say that out loud, you know, cuz like yeah. movie making movie making is a is a it's a job and it's a task. And uh you know, like you like you can get high minded after the fact, <laughs> you know? Right. Like, but, before you, but when you're writing it and when you're editing it, you can get as high-minded as you want, but when you're shooting it, like you're getting a job done and like admitting that. Well, yeah, it's is an interesting, it's thing.
2: a practical medium because there's, it's not like, you know, that's it, it, an interesting point because uh, I was uh, just doing some, looking at some other painters uh, a couple weeks ago And I found a really beautiful Spanish painter and he's still alive. He's like in his 80s. And I'll I'll send you the link. And he did great. He does architectural uh, paintings. And this is from the 70s. And it took six years to make on and off. And I was like, wow, I mean, that's just having time. And it's just not like that. Right (laughs) with this medium. (laughs) I was like, wow, I, you know, you have six years to eh. I, when I feel like it, I'll do it.
1: Is <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Basically. But the
2: product is still gorgeous, but it's like, oh, that's a
1: long time. Well, you know, and then it's also like a lot of the times, I think the more time that filmmakers have, the greater the chance they're going to mess it up. <laughs> uh, it's <laughs> like, called the Elaine May theory. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh,
0: that's funny. That's funny. <laughs> that's funny. I, that I got a story man. for you guys. I got a story for you guys along the same lines, and it was Mm -hmm. uh, uh, this is a story I heard from uh, someone at DD uh, who was they were working on uh, Flags of Our Fathers, right? I worked on and uh, directed by Clint Eastwood, and this was a long time ago. This is back when Arnold was governor of California, (laughs) just to put it in perspective, Uh, and. I guess they had a scene on a beach or whatever, and they were going to shoot it in California, and they had that all figured out. But somehow the location scout messed up, and they didn't quite know, like, the permits weren't quite working because right where they went to shoot was actually on the border because, oh, crap, The bo- on a border between uh, a beach that was owned by California and the other part of the beach was owned by Trump Enterprises, who is now our <laughs> president. Of course. So it was like – so I was like, the problem is we have this beach and one half of it is owned by California. The other half is owned by Trump Enterprises. And so apparently Clint Eastwood said, well, let's solve this right now. He pulls out his cell phone. Who do you need me to call? Do you need me to call Arnold or do you need me to call Donald?
1: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Because
0: exactly. I'm gonna solve this problem right now. It's, like, exactly. just give it the permission, and I'm gone. You know,
1: like, like oh, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. That's that's the. I think that's one of the most attractive things to me about filmmaking is like you like there's you're under such you know time pressure that it makes it easier to be unselfconscious about your art. Like you, you just have to get the thing done. You have to make the day. and well, yeah. Um, it's it just like twenty five
0: thousand dollars a minute.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. And keeping your shit together. Like, I mean, like you can't afford to be too pretentious when you do that, because like, if you start like dithering away your time, talking about like uh stuff that you really should be talking about in the editing room, then, uh, then money is just being heaped into a pile and lit on fire. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, it's great. Like Alan is such a, he's such an efficient filmmaking machine during these years. He's, he's turning out like, you know, a movie a year for the bulk of his life. You know, like the yep. he, so he starts in the '60s and he makes a movie a year up until God, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, he may have missed like two years over the entirety of like three or three and a half uh, decades. Yeah, you know, really, really. Well, incredible. let's
0: let's give a little synopsis of. I mean, we, we, we talked about like he's uh, like he's basically falls for this girl uh, who's politically involved. He's like I'm invested in this girl, and then she's invested in some movement for this town ta- This Country of San Marco, and he's like, "Yes, I'm all in." And then she dumps him because she finds him less interesting. Yeah, but then he still ends up going there to try to impress her.
3: Yeah, yeah. By and the like, way,
0: the comedy routine of him saying to his parents who are surgeons, so "Oh my good. god,
1: so good, so good."
0: Oh my god, <laughs> so funny!
1: <laughs> like he's trying to tell them these tell them this big news, and he he's trying basically to tell him, walked yeah. into surgery. And his parents are working on a person who is on the table and 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 open, you know, like they're working in in the patient's chest. And the person
0: is conscious too, which is also <laughs> yeah. funny because he's and contributing of, to the scene is
1: part of the comedy routine. <laughs> yes, exactly. Like the, like the guy's like, "Can we uh, wrap this up? Because uh, I have I have uh, I have an appointment at four. Yeah, <laughs> you know, this kind of stuff. Well, first then, of all, the
0: the the humor is very very
1: Jewish humor. Too. Oh yeah, yeah. it's classical yeah. you know, Jewish comedy. Yeah, it's fantastic. Classic it's fantastic.
0: Jewish yeah. comedy, and yeah. and that's what he's for, you know mothers and fathers and like oh yeah. what are you going to do with your life? Why can't yeah. you be a doctor? You know, blah 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 yeah. blah blah. It's, blah, it's blah. hysterical. Start. Like oh come on you can finish the
1: surgery you can do this. No, He's no, like oh no, no I can't can, waste- I can't really I can't. I you know, can't. No I haven't even scrubbed They give him the scalpel and just like just go in there, like, there just come on just go, go in there. This. i bet you you could be such a
0: great <laughs> such a great surgeon
1: such a
3: great surgeon. He immediately starts scrubs up. I haven't even up. scrubbed up yet. Oh, I. I,
0: I, I, I the patient he starts bleeding bad. out. Yeah.
1: Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Get out of your field! Get, get out, out of we it, love! You you, get go go go! Out. <laughs> we'll finish
0: up. We'll finish up. Don't worry about it.
1: Oh, it's amazing! Yeah, it's super yeah. super funny. And like the and like yeah, that's the style of comedy you're dealing with. Like it's it no, there's nothing real in this movie whatsoever. But what makes it very funny is like the uh the realism of the camera and the uh like almost documentary flavor of how he shoots a lot of this thing. Uh, right. is so much in conflict with what you're seeing like the reality the reality of the movie is completely inane um but the realism of the movie is almost total oh, and, uh, like the, yeah, and like the and
2: like that's like though i mean like, if you think about it, take the money and run had that mm-hmm. docu style
1: yep. yep and then
2: and then uh, bananas which was the next one yep it still kind of
0: lingers in that kind of oh absolutely uh, and Oh, it's – but the gags are hilarious. There, uh, there's a lot of gags in this. A lot of yeah. gags.
1: Yeah. And they're and there's you know, just straight up gags. Like straight up like straight this up is gags. a gag. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah.
0: So, basically, he ends up going to be, uh, this, this Central American, you know, the poverty com- country and he becomes a very important person to both the government and the rebels. Ends up hanging out with the rebels, brings them to power, puts them in power, starts mm-hmm. a revolution, wins the revolution – And then the minute they're in power, they're Extraordinarily corrupt. Immediately, <laughs> instantaneously, <laughs> within seconds, like comedically,
1: in seconds, it makes and completely me just to insane. Think about that scene. Because, like, when the the uh, the new leader, the rebel leader, becomes the new uh, head of San Marcos, and he immediately gives this yeah. crazy speech that makes no sense yeah. whatsoever. It's just mm-hmm. like all people who are uh, under sixteen years old are now sixteen years old, right? <laughs> like just nonsense. And from
0: now on, you shall be changing your underwear every 13 minutes and you'll <laughs> underwear be wearing will your be worn, underwear worn on, the on the outside just so we can check <laughs> oh
2: my
1: god it's hysterically there's funny where he
2: goes to visit initially to san marcos and he meets the president and um
0: oh god didn't they have
2: yeah. going over the bill like
0: did you oh yeah have- it's oh. like did you who had the po- roast pork yes <laughs>
1: oh yeah so there's two roast beefs here there's two roast did you i did not have two roast beefs <laughs>
0: Like it's He's insane. having a state dinner and they're going over to Bill. It's really but this is funny. like the, the beauty of this
1: movie in particular. And this is why, like, this is one of Bananas is one of the all time funniest movies I've ever seen. I laugh my ass off yeah. every single time, is because it represents that my favorite kind of comedy is when it's really dumb stuff written by very smart people Yeah, smart people yeah, 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 yeah. and uh, and yep. and this is like this is the championship version of that oh like, absolutely <laughs> like the, well the, the thing
0: that's a was you got to realize like everyone plays it with such a straight face that oh, they can so do a good. gag that is really bad, really stupid, and keep yep. it going for a long time
3: because oh, keeps yeah, such for, a straight phrase. Like the, the so, scene like, when
1: the, the rebels, when, when he goes to order all the food the the, deli for the scene. rebels. Okay. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, so just.
3: <laughs>
2: yeah, so
0: the guy, he goes, just to give people an idea of this joke, it's really hilarious. It's like, you have to go to town and to get food for the rebels. It's like, all right. So he goes to a coffee shop, literally this teeny little coffee shop, and he says, uh, I'll have a cup of coffee. I was like, great. And can I get an order to go? Sure. What do you want? <laughs> I want a yeah. thousand <laughs> sandwiches. Can I get? Uh, 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 one on, okay. One, on one on of the wheat. Uh, okay. No, he wants it on a roll. Can I have the mayo on the side? Yes. Nice. No problem. No problem. <laughs> oh, okay. Like, okay. The guy, he, the guy plays it like he just writes it down like it's a yeah. totally normal like thing. No thing.
1: Exactly. Totally. Nobody, like, nobody thinks this is a joke. That's the best, this is the greatest thing. It's, it's like it's Too many, too many modern comedies to me. Like modern comedy is broken by the fact that like they <laughs> keep on insisting that someone in the movie think that, thinks that this is crazy. Or like, like, you know, you have like, whoa, why is this person acting so weird? I mean, everybody has to believe this is reality uh, in order for it to be funny. And the guy, the fact that the guy is just like, uh-huh, okay, and did you want anything on the side? And he goes, oh, yeah, I guess uh, a is for 400 of those and, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know. <laughs> 600 Cokes. <laughs> 600 Cokes and uh, 400 see? black coffees. Thanks. And it, and it, <laughs> the guy's just it, writing it down.
0: And then after, I just got what after he does it, you think is like okay we got the joke it's fine it's fun. nope keeps going and it gets better because then the next scene is he's there and there's like a million to-go bags inside <laughs> of
3: <his> <laughs>
0: <kitchen>. <laughs> and <the> guys <laughs> like they all each bag has a little paper slip with the receipt of what it is in the bag
1: so,
3: <laughs> and the
0: wheelbarrows
1: says, full of uh, coleslaw
0: <laughs> wheelbarrows full of coleslaw and a guy says <laughs> he says um it was like okay. It's like, do you have? Where's the tuna on a roll? Uh, right here. And he picks it out of like one random bag in the middle. It's Like,
3: great. There we go. It's like
1: what? Oh okay, and that'll be uh seventeen thousand dollars. He goes, Bill and Vargas. We're the rebels. We're the rebels. It's unlimited oh, like that it's that kind of stuff. My one of my favorite things I I've just quoted for years is when they're gonna the um the uh like the Pinochet the Pinochet character or whatever it is, like the evil the right. evil uh dictator is planning on uh uh essentially befriending Woody Allen and then dressing him up uh uh, uh or rather dressing up people around him uh as the rebels and have him have them kill Woody Allen so the US backs the evil dictator. Right. And, uh, and so they're just like, okay, so how are we going to do this? Oh, and he just don't worry. I have, uh, uh, we'll have, uh, costumes made for, uh, the people who are going to be playing the rebels. And well, uh, my, I have my personal tailor will we'll take care of this and, right. uh, and we'll dress those guys up. And it cuts to the moment when the assassins are waiting in the bushes. They're wearing their rebel costumes. And one of them just goes, Oh, like, what kind of tailoring is this? <laughs> he put cups in my pants. <laughs> It's just it's ludicrous. The movie is absolutely ludicrous. And the thing is like this is in in 1971 or 72, whenever it is. Still 71, 71 I think, yeah. And this is uh, during some of the harshest most brutal stuff that was happening in South America. I mean, yeah. this is like the the Pinochet years in uh in Chile and Argentina and uh, all that well, stuff. Well, at the same time really, I was really listening
0: to this I was watching this and I was thinking about like you know, pardon me, but I was thinking about a lot of the very hardcore left Americans that we're sitting there supporting what's going on in Venezuela, I'm like, what the, f- what are you thinking? Have you <laughs> <laughs> Haven't you seen bananas? Haven't <laughs> like, you seen bananas? Haven't you seen bananas? Like this is goes?
3: <laughs> this is not good. I know. I know, I know in fact, know. what's
0: really funny about bananas is that it's not actually like celebrating the left or the right is basically saying it's, no, it's all making fun, fun of everybody yeah it's making I mean, fun I'm, of how corrupt everyone is it's exactly like, which
1: which is something that he actually says out loud in sleeper you know like uh, yeah and yeah. ending scene of sleeper she's just like you know don't, but you know, we have to we we have to rebel and take over the blob, and she's and he's like we're going to be stealing erno's nose in a month like right you know politics is nonsense you know like right. whoever gets in politics whoever gets in power is going to be awful that's the way that it works and, right, uh, right. and, uh, and, and, uh, so the connection between sleeper, like sleeper is the very lighthearted, breezy version of bananas, but bananas is like fucking like, I love when movies were, cause I mean, it's like with Dr. Strangelove as well. Like Dr. Strangelove is like ludicrous comedy about the scariest possible thing in the world, uh, right. at the moment when it was the most frightening, you know, and, right, right, uh, right. and I think that it was, uh, you know, like as much as I, I, I don't like calling filmmakers brave or anything like that, but I think that it's it's really good for the movie in terms of like pick something you really want to talk about and make a movie about it, you know. And like right. if you want to make a comedy about it, then pick the hardest thing to make funny and make a comedy out of that. And then it's gonna be super, super funny because everyone's scared, you know, and everyone has real feelings about it and they're gonna react even harder. And I think that the bananas is one of my is one of my favorite examples of this. So like hes he is just doesn't even care he's just he's just throwing it all like everybody left and right is thrown under the bus and uh and and because it's so even-handed it's a universally funny movie
0: yeah
3: yeah
2: he it's, does, it he does do that kind of uh and i think maybe that goes back to the marx brothers he's influenced by the marx brothers that oh that yeah abs- that absurdism that you know like um you know what you order okay uh you know uh who, who got the, t- who got the, uh, you know, p- the, this the, roast beef. Roast beef. <laughs> the two who roast got all beef. this. Yeah. <laughs> right. and, and it's right. like, but that kind of absurdism, like in his early stand-up years, mm-hmm. he would, he had a, like so many things where it was, you know, I went on a date once and, um, or he shot a moose in upstate New York and then he had a date, he had to go to a surprise party. Uh, a costume party so he dropped the moose off at the surprise party (laughs) and he gets to the front door and he's like you know the rothsteins and so the moose comes in he mingles he scored did very well but the point is (laughs) and in the end he's like it this whole build-up where he actually shot a moose but he creased its scalp and he's in the midtown tunnel and the, the real moose on his On his bumper comes alive. So he drops it off at a costume party on the east side. (laughs) And then then the moose wins the best costume prize. Whereas, like, the Edelsteins um, came in second and they're angry. So they lock antlers with the real moose. But he said, (laughs) but he said, but, and in the end, is the Edelsteins um, got uh, stuffed and hung in the new york athletic club but the joke is on them because it's restricted (laughs) (laughs) but he did he always did that where he i have those tapes man it's like oh my god he always built it i shot a moose in upstate new york and he always would build stuff like he would talk about like this beautiful watch he had and how much he meant to him he's like my uncle sold it to me on his deathbed and it was, I got a good deal on it, but there was always this kind of
3: <laughs> realism and then so the
2: absurdism is wedged right. in there. And right. so right. In the early stuff, I think it was almost like the, 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 the medium was being the absurdism, whereas right. the clips of the Japanese fighting or the Virgil Starkwell in, 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 you know, the, uh, the first one, which is the, uh, uh, gun. What is the one where he's a robber? Um, oh,
1: we take the money and run. Take yeah, the money, take and, the money run. and run.
2: But then he starts to to deliver. But you see, even in stuff like you know, I always felt it was Fellini esque. But in Broadway, Danny Rose, mm-hmm. where he's like, I'm in North Vietnam, and he was at the at the uh, at the diner in Passaic, New Jersey, and then he has to go back to Manhattan, and they run into this guy who's doing a shaving commercial. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? It's like this absurd thing, and he's dressed like a a a hero, like a Superman character, and it's so uh, not real. So it's the absurd, and I don't know if that was from Fellini or was from the Mark Marx brothers, but it was definitely something he liked to inject into. Well, because uh,
1: he's always been caught in this sort of like, uh, you know, he's he is like he is utterly an artist like you know for good or for bad he is he's an artist and like he's not he just doing to step away for a checks. second guys i'll be right yeah. oh it. that's crazy what kind of <laughs> god damn it but keep uh, talking but, yeah but i mean like you can see like yeah like fellini's a big in, uh influencer just out of um uh stardust memories which is basically yes. a fellini movie you know and uh and you know he's he's uh constantly like he like i think after like it's after manhattan where he um he talks about this struggle uh between being uh you know being a like just making funny movies and wanting to really make you know uh artful film you know uh and uh, stardust memories and broadway danny rose are two sides of the same coin for me um because stardust memories is a much more serious movie so it's, it's a grimmer and nastier uh it's sort of a mean-spirited uh angry movie um uh but broadway danny rose is this sort of like happy version of the same thing where it's like this is ridiculous like like, like don't take yourself so seriously and it'll end up being a lot more serious feeling in the end because the ending of broadway broadway danny rose is really emotional for me like yeah. it's a very it's a very very silly movie but because of that it's really really on that's it
2: that's the you ending know? That's
1: yeah. the, ending of the film? <laughs> It's like man, oh man. Like when when they're when all those comedians are just sitting around and talking about uh, you know, uh the names of the sandwiches and stuff like that. I'm just like this is like this is someone who really deeply loves this. You know, and you can really feel it coming through in the movie. what, what, um,
2: what do you what, what do you think what do you think that you think, 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 think thinking, yeah. <laughs>
1: I, I see did, the, did you
0: get run out of things to say, or did you, or? you? Guys at university yeah,
2: doing this and star, shine, smile. That's smile. Like, honestly smile. that's what you have to you have to do, and that's it's right. forgiveness and love. Can I tell you one thing? My <laughs> uncle Herschel, horrible person, horrible. Not the best looking. You will like this story, um, But <laughs> forgiveness and love.
3: For the and love, thing about right?
2: what you notice about that and and you track his career and you look at somebody like spielberg both at that same time were doing very self-reflective you know yep. you know A close encounters is my favorite spielberg movie
1: incredible and also
2: incredible. In, by the early 80s you know at the same time in new york five blocks away in the kidnapping scene four blocks because i've seen the buildings <laughs> both places where you know de niro in um in um Taxi driver? No, in uh, my favorite King of Comedy. King of Comedy. And he's outside the street. That's four blocks from where um uh in Broadway Danny Rose, he's kidnapped that building. Right. And right. it's like those are two films shot relatively within the same summer, and they both are about these solo people, yep. you know, facing the world and accept right. it. It's a weird thing where all of a sudden, like Woody Allen and Spielberg kind of do the reflective movies at the same time, like the really yeah. personal. And then all of a sudden, they're, they're, I mean, uh, in Scorsese and then all these great filmmakers go through these kind of periods well, of like. Well, yeah, and I think
1: that I think you're right. And I think that like th- that's, for these guys, a lot of their best movies, Scorsese included, and it's like a lot of their best movies are secretly uh, about being filmmakers. You know, and about the, about what it is to be a, uh, make movies, make, make movies as an artist. And that, well, uh, hold
0: on. Let's, 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 let's differentiate that because there's a lot of films about making films that are about. Yeah, no, films. and yeah, not but like, this not is from, more secretly about this. Secretly which is a about these things.
1: Yeah, exactly. Okay. Like, I mean, like, cause like, I think that, that, uh, much of Woody Allen's sort of, um, like what he wrote about the most during his most fertile period anyway. Um, mm-hmm. is just sort of like, uh, like they're, he's, he's trying to take what he cares about the most and what he's interested in sort of dissecting the most, uh, and transpose it to a different, a, like a slightly different setup, but basically the same setup. And like you can see, like the, like it's not surprising that, that, um, what do you call it? Bananas and, um, and sleeper are about rebels, you know, like right. the, like these are like he's an indie filmmaker at this point and he's got to fucking hack this stuff together and uh and like right. I've also we've talked about it before like you know you can look at star wars uh lucas's star wars uh as uh as an a movie about being a rebellious indie group fighting against the studio system and it's interesting that like all, of this, all of the all the Darth Vader stuff and all of the uh empire stuff is shot on these grand sound stages with like english actors and then all the stuff with Luke Skywalker is shot like, you know, in this very, very indie looking style of the period. And so I think mm-hmm. that all of them in Spielberg of Star as well. Wars,
2: the, the Mark Hamill scenes were shot in Hamburger Hamlet in Beverly Hills. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's really it good is. that you made use yeah. of it. Yeah. Just a little yeah. bit painting. It takes care that's, of all the
1: details. That's true. <laughs>
2: well,
0: it was a fancier Hamburger Hamlet in yeah. Beverly Hills. We so. have a situation <laughs> here, right.
2: Lou. We are in a definite situation, Lou. <laughs>
1: but I was w- watching a uh, sleeper. I was like, uh, he's a fan of George Lucas, I can tell, because there's a scene where he goes and gets absolved by the absolution machine, and that is a oh scene from THX 1138. It is. It's straight up from that movie. No. Like, when did fucking THX amazing. Uh,
0: 1138 71? come out? 72?
1: 71, yeah. Yeah. Okay, this and, was seventy three, right? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. You know, and so I, I think that these are the these that's the dialogue that's actually going on for these guys. So their early movies are very uh essentially rebellious. I mean Scorsese keeps that uh going in terms of like like I I think I've mentioned this before. Like I see like even Last Temptation of Christ is like basically a movie about being uh an artist. Like Christ is an artist who has like he gets a vision in his head that causes him pain in order until he gets it out. And he doesn't want it. He doesn't even want to have to have this experience. And then the movie is essentially about realizing that if he gets everyone together to create this thing, then and and accomplishes it, then uh, he'll be free of pain and he'll be able to enjoy the beauty that he's uh, been wanting to perceive. You know, and that's why that movie ends with a filmic, uh, an actual film spool rollout. You know, and I think that that's and with Close Encounters it's the same thing. Like that's a movie about a filmmaker. That's about a, right. it's about like giving up everything in your life to pursue the beautiful lights in the sky, you know, and, uh, and, uh, and committing yourself to these visions, even at, you know, sometimes cruel expense of people and uh, relationships that you love and uh, how it breaks everything around you. And I, I think that that's when these guys are the most uh, sort of, and when Woody Allen is doing his best stuff, uh, it's when he's really trying to process that, Situation for himself and it comes out as like actual stuff in the movies.
0: So I was trying to figure out because I think you're absolutely right. You know, if I really think about story and I really think about the analysis and everything, you're absolutely right that Bananas is a better film than Sleeper. But I always had Sleeper in such a high esteem for myself. Oh, it's a
1: hysterically funny movie. <laughs> like
0: <it's> yes. <laughs> yes. It is hysterically funny. And, uh, just to give a, a very quick synopsis of the film. So the, the Sleeper basically, uh, he's, uh, he's frozen for 200 years. He wakes up. He does his thing. Uh, and he fights rebel causes, uh, runs into, uh, Diane Keaton, who is a completely flaky and self, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, absorbed, absorbed, a <laughs> uh, uh, person, and right. then uh, ends up, you know, turning her into a rebel, and then blah 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 blah. It's very similar. You're right. Everything we talked about is in this movie, right. and I was trying to think about like, uh, what it, it's, why is it so special to me, and I think it's because it's sci-fi, and,
1: sure, yeah,
0: and because of the architecture.
1: Mm-hmm, which yeah. is great so old, weird good. architecture yeah it's so great it is
0: it is the ultimate in 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 f- the funky architecture from the 60s that yep. was still to this day like wow that it's like really uh, first of all it's a really cool architecture right and yeah, it, there's the, still, the building
1: that looks like a giant concrete taco <laughs> right <laughs> like it's amazing
0: well even but think about it this way, right? You you look at this, that uh, how many? that's like 50, 60 years ago. That mm-hmm. building still looks like it's from the
1: future. Oh, yeah. You know it's absolutely mean? bizarre. Yeah. It's incredible. I mean, it looks and like so, a. Do you remember the old cartoon, Barba Papa, the Swedish cartoon? No. Uh, this oh, is, yes. Barba Papa, did it, did it, that one. Uh, mm-hmm. Like they look, I always said these look like Barba Papa. Houses. Tom of, Finland, or- <laughs> Tom of yeah. Finland? Tom of Finland. Tom of Finland. Do you know what Tom of Finland is? <laughs>
2: I do no. not
3: know. <laughs> yeah,
1: he was—he was he a was, uh,
2: uh, an art. He's actually his style was amazing, but it was all uh, homoerotic stuff. Famous oh, uh, nice. cartoonist uh, Tom of Finland. They have huge I books. There's
1: not no Finland. That's exciting.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah no, these, it, uh, it was—I mean, for the '60s and '70s, it was pretty ahead of its time. I mean, sure, sure. Uh, but his his drawing style was incredible. Um, I mean, he drew like. Vargas man, he really had a good style, but
1: uh, it was yeah, yeah, you had know, incredible dudes
2: and way. chaps, you know, cops and chaps and stuff. You're like, well, yeah, oh,
1: that's awesome. That's great. I took, you yeah, know, I think once. I know who you're talking about now, now that you said, now that, yeah, so I, took just a just a date once.
2: I had a date with a girl and I took her to the Maplethorpe show in New York in
1: 1988. Oh God. Bless. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Mapplethorpe fucking. Yes. Yeah. And Mapplethorpe was amazing. amazing. And I just remember
2: amazing. her standing there just looking at one of the photos of something exploding and she was like oh my
1: god oh yeah it's like that it's guy show. it's interesting um, i i'm a huge <laughs> Mapplethorpe fan i love i love Mapplethorpe. and like i took,
0: a, like, I, took a, I took a girl i took a girl to go see uh and i never like to go see a movie it's like oh let's go see a movie together and oh, who was it? Who directed it? Now I can't remember. God, fuck! I'm name, name blanking. Uh, The Pillow Book. Did you ever see The
1: Pillow Book? Oh yeah, yeah, of course. The, with um, yeah, Peter Greenaway. Uh, you, yeah, yes. Peter Greenaway. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, right. So it was yeah. Greenway. Who's that? And Ewan McGuire, like, maybe. And it's it's a highly erotic movie. Sure. Right. With a lot of frontal male nudity and weird. Like mm-hmm. I, I somehow always pick a movie that's like. Hey, I'll go on a date with this girl and we'll watch a movie. And I picked like that. And I'm like, cause I was trying to be artsy and I'm like, Oh, you're like the highfalutin version of this uh, movie.
1: You're like the highfalutin version of Travis Bickle taking, uh, yeah, uh what's her favorite? What Sybil yeah. Shepard to the movie. Oh, I think I am curious. Yellow would be a great, great date movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I did a little really bit rightful. of that. Right. I also
0: took a girl to go see, um, Cowgirls also get the blues.
1: Oh, with Uma Thurman, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Gus Van Sant movie, yeah. There you go, yeah, yeah. Even cowgirls get the blues. Yeah, even and, uh, even cowgirls get the blues. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah, yeah that was that say. was not a good date movie either. No. Big thumbs, big thumbs. <laughs> it's big all thumbs. about lesbians.
1: Yeah, that's heavy <laughs> duty. It's a it's a funny as hell book because I remember, I remember. Yeah, it's I remember very funny. Like a, I mean, honestly,
0: story. both of those films are great movies. It's like yeah. Mm, yeah.
1: not 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 a good first date movie. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, t- yeah, Tom. I want to say Tom Robbins wrote that, maybe. Yeah, skinny legs and all and all that stuff. Uh, yeah, that's oh, yeah, it's uh, yeah, good. One. But that's a Gus Van Sant movie. He made that after uh, uh my own private Idaho. Private Idaho, I yeah. yeah, another another. But profile. I will tell you this. I will I will
0: do this. I'm going to throw it out there because uh, Bernie says he listens to this uh, uh a lot uh, for his next architectural challenge. Because mm-hmm. he does beautiful architectural representations and he did uh uh Jackie Treehorn's house from Big Lebowski based mm-hmm. on so good. some beautiful. influence on this and beautiful yeah. architecture. Beautiful, beautiful work. I would say uh if he can do some architecture based on the sleeper <laughs> for his next Archivist <laughs> project, That'd
1: be that good, is man.
0: something yeah, that would be great. Right yeah, it'd be great. Looking for some. And it's actually stuff. not that hard to do, architecturally speaking, because the architecture is extraordinarily simple, uh oh, but yeah. really beautiful.
1: Really, beautiful. and also the—I uh, believe the cars were actually constructed. All, most of it is in Colorado, by the way. <laughs> yeah, it's just Colorado? yeah, it's just
0: a giant Nurb curb.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of it is in Colorado. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. A,
0: that's yeah,
1: that's pretty funny. Yeah, the
0: the big taco house is in Colorado. I um, love the taco house. The taco house is fantastic.
1: Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, that's a really good one. But no, I think you're right. Like, the other there's, thing there's
0: is, a... go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, okay. I was just gonna say, like, so, the, so, the, the so science the- fiction
1: of it is very, is very of the time in terms of like, Rollerball, which is a serious science fiction movie, also <sighs> looks like Sleeper. <sighs> like, it's very much in the yes. same vein. And it's because they're, they're plugging into the fact, uh, like, essentially, you know, like they're, they're, you know, initially they're looking for ways to make the movie cheaper, you know, but the, the mm-hmm. subtext of it is that, uh, we're really talking about now, you know, like, like Woody Allen, like Sleeper is, is not about the future. It's about, you know, ridiculous social mores, you know, and, and how we treat each other currently, you know, and, right. and when he, when he was making the movie and same thing for rollerball. And so like using stuff that's real sort of reminds you of that. And I've always really liked when movies use, uh, like stuff that is, that actually exists and then reframes it. So it seems out of the ordinary. Doesn't, those are really out of the ordinary buildings. Right.
0: I actually would love to revisit rollerball because. Right, right. I I saw it as a teenager, mm-hmm. and I mostly watched it because of its violence, mm-hmm. and it's and it and and that's you know that's what it was about for me as a kid when I was watching it as a teenager, and I was like yeah it's so violent and so cool and all that stuff, and then I think if I look back to I mean I watched it with my dad and my dad watched it with me and he goes this is a pretty deep movie.
3: Yeah, and I remember no, my dad heavy. telling me
0: that. I'm like, huh, I didn't really think about that. It's like, this is a very interesting movie. Um, yep. and, and it is. And I, but I haven't, I haven't, I
1: haven't seen that movie in
0: 30 years. I mean, not well, it's history.
1: directed by uh, Norman Jewison, very good director, yeah. did like a soldier story, lots of good stuff. And, right. uh, you know, and James Conn at the top of his game, man. I think James Connors Conn was, was amazing. Yeah. Terrific yeah. in that picture. Jimmy and Connors. it like, it, it has, it all sort of like, it's the midway point between, uh, Uh, sleeper and Zardoz. So we should probably do this, I think, at some point. Right. That's a, that's a good way to put it. Somewhere between sleeper and Zardoz.
0: Although there's absolutely no comedy in Rollerball
1: at all. No, Rollerball is a serious movie. It's true. Yeah. Uh, Like it has, it has some sort of, uh, like ironic, uh, not quite comedy, but sort of like, um, like it's, it's definitely making fun of, of, of certain uh, ideas and styles uh but sure it's uh but it but it plays it pretty straight the entire time yeah a very good yeah, movie yeah.
2: Though. there was definitely also like at that time it, which i actually loved in like the production design and in some of the the a lot of the films in the early 70s was that 20s heart back you know like going back to the mm-hmm. 20s in style or mm-hmm. you know um look and i always loved that about the 70s california films like mm-hmm. it was a they're going back for a 1920s vibe. And oh, sure. you saw that in the artwork. You saw that in like, um, like even they're the playing the ragtime stuff in Sleeper. Oh yeah. Cause you I mean, know? he's
1: essentially going back to silent film gags all over the place, especially in Sleeper. Well, he That's was playing a very, music very...
2: too, I think that was him right. playing. Yeah. It was uh, written yeah, by, yeah, by Woody beautiful.
1: Allen. Yeah. Like really. Yeah. And Woody and Allen uh, like, loves again, to uh,
0: play jazz. Right. So Woody Allen. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, he's a big clarinet player, Uh but
1: yeah, Jerry Jasmine is what he used to say. Yeah, it's like he's like that da 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 that whole style. Yeah, is what makes sleeper sleeper like it's so weird to see this. uh Yeah, exactly, that's true. Yeah, because that's yeah, that's beginning of that uh that vibe for him. But it's like the 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 crash between like uh 1920s, you know, late 20s silent film uh jokes and sped up film and all this kind of stuff uh and uh and uh and and that kind of piano accompaniment and jazz accompaniment and then hard it's sort of like weird sci-fi futuristic shit it's amazing like it like there's no other movie that really feels exactly like that because it's like i think that sleeper could actually be almost pull itself off as a serious movie if it wanted to like everything's silly but it's not so silly that it's unbelievable because these are all real things like this is all real places and it, and it creates a really unique uh, setting. Like it's really uh, like I, as a sci-fi nerd, I'm like, there should be a sleeper verse <laughs> that uh, that we return to. If they, the thing if they that's wanna... also
0: amazing, also to me, is especially now because I, you know, obviously we're 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 way many like we're seventy three, so we're, we're like forty long time, forty seven years, forty seven mm-hmm. years since this movie was made. Um, yep, that's right. Uh, and so uh, the cars, all right? So the cars okay. are really goofy at, on purpose, right? Yeah, yeah. They and, look like Tylenols. <laughs> they look like Tylenols. And yeah, then right. I was looking at it. I'm like, that's really funny. And they're all these like, you know, like <laughs> little cars that drive around. And they look like they're made of plastic and there's right. you can't see inside, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Now, I just challenge anyone who's listening to this podcast to go look up Mercedes self-driving car, which was put out at NAB or, or 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 CES like last year or two years ago, whatever it is, it right. looks like that fucking car. It is, <laughs> so and, it, good. and the way you get into it, and the way the whole design of it, and the whole concept of it, is like well, it makes sense, mm-hmm. but it's mm-hmm. basically like a fucking floating Tylenol that you walk <laughs> into, and it's like a, a living room that you you sit in while the car drives you around.
1: No, and that's, that's so the whole it. premise. Yeah, I love it.
0: And, and I'm, I'm like,
1: I love the idea of Sleeper becoming real.
0: <laughs> yeah. Right. That's, <laughs> that's disturbing and funny too.
1: So. But yeah, no, I think that like, yeah, you're right. Uh, it's a, like because the you know like all the robots in Sleeper are essentially minds, right? Yeah. So like they're all doing this like so everything is based around silent comedy. Like the whole thing is just wrapped around the core of like right, Buster right, right. Keaton style. But also and that jokes.
2: mouthpiece is like. What's it called again? Fritz Lang's uh, Metropolis. Metropolis. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah, you know, yeah. And it, know. yeah, cause I think, I, yeah, I think you're right. Cause like there's, there's definitely like, there's, uh, especially, uh, cause you're bringing up earlier, like how, like, these are, you know, like he's making political comedies here, uh, but he's treating it with this completely dismissively silly attitude. And when you, uh, bring up like, uh, the Marx brothers, you know, like duck soup is a political comedy, Like one hundred percent. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But even if
2: you look at, if you look at, I am sorry, interrupted. Sorry, honest. No, 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 Mr. Mr. Subwoofer, just quickly.
1: Um, It's honest subwoofer. You are independent,
2: Mr. Honest Subwoofer. Um, (laughs) But the thing is, even I noticed, like on the framing, when uh, he was sitting down and people were talking to him, it was almost like duck soup, or the Mm -hmm. way they would just do this wide and. And Groucho Marx would be at the table with his arm resting. It was just like, it was, and the same thing in, in um, What's Up, Tiger Lily, when they do that interview, which is just like yeah. a Howard Co. thing to set, yeah. set up. Right. Do you know what I mean? It's the right. same thing. And um, it really is, uh, it really does pull. And I wonder if he's just doing it because he, because I know he's a, a, a cinephile. I mean, just he loves movies so much, Absolutely. like Scorsese, that he, you know, just in, infuses it.
0: Him. Well, that yep. was the thing that was funny. That there was another line that was really hilarious. in what's up, Tiger Lily? When the guy, the guy says, "Now, Mister Allen, it, you know this. The, some of the viewers may be a bit confused about what's going on. Do you do you want to give a little bit of an explanation of how you got here?" And he goes, "No." no. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's the best. That really it sums up his point of view, man.
3: <laughs> <laughs> that yeah definitely sums that's up one way right to, that's
0: one way it's very funny and it's also one yeah. way to just give a big f you to like no i don't have to explain that's the gag yeah. the gag is yeah. i don't have to
1: explain yeah why 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 do this this is dumb exactly i totally yeah. totally agree but yeah no, talking i think about that that's
2: earlier dan about like the being a filmmaker and and mm-hmm. how difficult it is um, yep. It was, it really kind of insightful because you know you seem to you hit some nails on the head there and, and how it reflects back to some of the other artists that we were talking about, like, uh, you know, like uh, Spielberg and, uh, mm-hmm. Woody and uh, Woody at that same time, like how difficult it is. Um, yep. Do you think it's still the same difficult as it was, you know,
1: for, for uh, yeah. them? Right. Uh, I don't, uh, in some ways, not at all, you know, like technologically, not at all. Like you can make movies with your phone, you know, uh, uh, but like, I think that the, and I don't want this to sound highfalutin, but I think like it's, don't you know, yeah, it's too late. The, uh, it, I think doing it right, uh, always requires a sort of like, um, I don't know, just a pressure on the work. Uh, and even if you have, even if everything is, everything is more technically, uh available and cheaper and a little easier uh and uh you know you have uh more options because of that uh like the responsibility is still the same and because i think that where movies uh break down today is because i mean we all come from vfx and we see this all the time it's like vfx isn't a plus or a minus in the quality of a film like VFX can be bad, and the movie can be great, or VFX can be great, and the movie can be bad. Um, but VFX is often blamed for movies being bad, uh, and uh, I think that the way in which VFX, the actually the only actual way that VFX uh, is as pro- is a problem for filmmakers, is that because it gives you so many options upfront, it encourages lack of decision making. And, uh, the, the greatness of, uh, especially in the seventies when, yeah, I think the re part of the reason why movies were so inventive, uh, in that time period, one is because Hollywood had fallen apart and they needed some fresh stuff, but also like technology had gotten just easy enough to, uh, to manipulate with just a few people and you're, and you could have indie films that were real indie films and you could run around and shoot outside with a crew of 10 and stuff like this. Um, but it was still very difficult and you had to commit to the choices you were making and make the choices that you made work if they didn't work when you shot it. And I think that that is something that is not quite, uh, as heavy a pressure today. And so the stand standards are not as, um, I won't say standards aren't as high, but people are a lot easier on things being a little sloppy and okay. uh in, in both in big budget films and in to, to an extent in small budget films uh, where they're just sort of like easy on it. And I'm like, I think back then um when you, uh, when you're, when you're Martin Scorsese and you're, you know, you're shooting boxcar Bertha, like you're going to make this fucking thing work. Uh, mm-hmm. Otherwise you're never going to make another movie. And, uh, and so you are making decisions, uh, really hard decisions and committing to them 100%. And that's what ends up making a good movie because you're not allowing yourself to be self-conscious and you're not allowing yourself to get swamped with, um, possibility, which is yeah. what we see. I think we see all the time in VFX where it's just like, I don't know, like not to pick on Avengers, but like, you know, show me 50 different versions of how Thanos's head gets chopped off, you know, instead of like going... I have an that idea of how I want this to work.
3: No,
0: just because you have a bunch of money, you don't have to justify getting a hundred versions of things. A hundred yeah. versions of things is not better; is not going to give you a better result than getting three versions of things. Exactly. In fact, it's
1: not at all. And I having know a vision for, for what you want will get the good thing. Yeah, it,
0: it <laughs> is know. not. I I know this for a fact because I've done it. Right, I I've done the shots that have gone to 185 versions. And it right. takes like six months for it to get finaled. And right. it's ridiculous because by the end, it's like, I, I don't even, I didn't even know. How many times have we heard the story as people that worked in visual effects of people going through like 20, 30, 50 versions of something and then they going back to version three
1: that ends yeah. up getting finaled?
0: Like yeah. all the time.
1: Yeah, all yeah. The like time. this happened to me uh, literally twice this year. You know, like, where right. like the, 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 final version was more or less the one we started with. And, right. uh, and that's just the, like, and you, you I guess you have to explore all other
0: alternatives to justify the, ver- that, that you did the right choice, but right. you just wasted so much time and money yeah. doing that. It yeah. was ridiculous.
1: And, and, and so that I don't sound like a grumpy old man, like, I don't think that this is, I think that this problem is actually being solved in a totally different, very new way right now, which is that, uh, Like people are, because you can make things on your phone for TikTok and YouTube and stuff like this, like people are making things really quickly and not thinking about whether they're perfect. And I think that's totally great. Like, yeah, I've seen some, I've seen incredible stuff on YouTube and incredible stuff on TikTok that's unbelievably funny that has this sort of like bananas and take the money and run kind of shtick. It's just like when you were saying earlier, like, you know, what's up tigerly is basically a YouTube gag. Like you're absolutely right. You know, like, I think that that's the visionary thing that we're, that, uh, that younger filmmakers are doing now is like, they're not caring as much about like whether things look fancy, like fuck fancy, you know? And, uh, and, and because of that, you're like, you just make better decisions. You're just like, you know why I'm keeping that? Because it made me laugh. That's it. Right. You know, and I think that that's the zone well the, the the seventy a lot of things came together to make the seventies in America the seventies in terms of filmmaking but uh I think that one of the most important things is like it, like stuff got into real artists' hands and uh and it was just uh viable enough for them to be excited mm-hmm. and uh not have the time to finesse it.
0: is that my portrait because I look like freaking I do yeah, look at that. It's perfect. I, I, I look, I, I look like, like Iron Man. Somehow.
2: I was going to say
1: Frankenstein, but yeah. I mean, no, Frankenstein, no, it's
2: to yeah. uh, vector art and send it to you. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's pretty that's crazy.
1: Amazing. Nice work, dude. Nice work.
2: But I think it's uh thank you. It's um, yeah. I think that's that, that struggle you talk about. I think, um, I think one of the hard things, uh, As an artist, is that um, particularly with the film medium, is there's so much to keep up with that you find yourself chasing doing something just so it's relative in a sense, you know, and you're not thinking about where where it comes from or what it means to you. And um, it's hard when you live here to break away from that, you know, Uh, because you're here. Yeah, and you're always like uh, this won't sell and this right.
0: and yeah, it's a business, dude. It
2: it is a business, but there's a lot of younger people who have a, you know, who are putting out the stuff and it's just it's, you know, it's competition,
0: but it's They they are and they aren't. I mean, at the same time like there's a lot of stuff that's coming out that people are doing that's quote-unquote innovative, but not the right time. And also I bet you there's a lot of stuff that's redundant. Yeah sure. I can imagine I can imagine uh being someone who who looks at scripts, they probably see the same script over and over and over and over and over again. And every oh, yeah. one of those people who gives them the script thinks they've come up with something original, but they haven't, you know? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. So, you know, I think that like the you know, it's like I, I have a friend who is a script reader and she you know had to read 10 scripts a day for the actor she, she was working for. And right. She's just like, it just turns your brain to mush. Yeah. God. 10
0: scripts a day.
1: Yeah. Yeah. it's insane. Ugh. You know, and it's, all, and it's all the same junk and it's all badly written. and It's all, it's just like this mind numbing experience, you know? And like, that's the, uh, you know, that's just the way the business runs. You know, there's no way around it because there's no other way to sift. You have to pan for the gold. You know, that's, mm-hmm. that's how you do it. Um, but like, I do think that at very least, you know, like with YouTube and TikTok and stuff like that, like we're still in a very non-serious mode, you know, and I don't mean like whether things should be not you know, funny or not funny, but rather like, like, I think that it's still in a fun loving mode with YouTube and TikTok, but like the good thing is that it's largely unself-conscious, and people are very experimental without uh, a lot of judgment about it. And I think that that, uh, that really promotes new ideas very quickly because like if people respond they respond quickly and pass it around without like uh you know um uh processing it too hard or thinking whether or not that's appropriate or whatever it is like they just turn it out people respond and it hits and and so i think out of that situation you're going to get whoever the next uh you know um scorsese and alan and Lucas. I just. And, um, I, 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 Myers, I'm just.
0: Sorry, I'm just distracted by the idea of your friend being a script reader. Oh, and no. Like,
1: it's just. She, the she quit doing of it. She that, couldn't
0: keep doing it. The concept of that idea that there is an entire economy, there are mm-hmm. so many movie ideas that are coming out that basically a famous quote unquote actor or actress can not read all of the proposals that are given to him or her. Oh yeah. They have to hire a person just to read scripts. And that person is reading 10 scripts a day. Yeah. And to determine whether something is even worth their attention. Right. And, and that is like, and just think about that. How many? Yeah, and these, and, are, these and are scripts probably, that have
1: already been vetted. You know, like these aren't the ones. Right. That these are, are uh, these are
0: things that have already
1: gone through the the the, the agents and all the other shit. Exactly. Right? That's the first wave has already happened, and, and it, you still probably have to just already grind greenlit through it. Yeah. yeah. Already like, greenlit. These, these are these are just like passed along as like these are possibles. You know. Right. And here's so uh, like,
0: when you when when you get your, your your show and you're a screenwriter and you basically say and you get a studio that goes, yes we'd like to option this film or whatever. And you think I've made it. Oh, you haven't.
1: Because <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because that yeah, is going to go
0: to an actor or whatever. <laughs> and the, yeah. there is going to be a person between you and that actor. It's
1: going to go through that script and go. "Ugh." <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, exactly. I mean, Eric, you know, is part of this process, you know, it's like the, uh, like p- pushing your way through this it's like it's like a, I would say it's like sisyphus except like you never get the boulder on the other side of the hill it's just another yeah. hill <laughs> yeah
0: there's so many false
1: peaks
3: yeah like, exactly. that, like that, God, that, that, yeah, yeah yeah yeah
0: it's the it's the classic situation like there's a there's this uh hill that in the back of uh, our house where you look at the hill and it looks like it's just around the corner and then every time you're like oh no Nope. <laughs> nope. Not there it's, yet. It's, I'm not there yet. You think not you're going to be there in like 10 minutes, but nope. You still got an hour to go.
1: Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. No, I mean, and there's a sort of like a zen mindset that you have to achieve in order to keep grinding away at this stuff. But even at that point, like being a script reader and reading that much, not just like, not just garbage. Like she would say that it wasn't, it wasn't like awful. It was just completely mediocre. Like, imagine having like, 20 spoonfuls of mayonnaise a day, where you just had to judge the quality <laughs> of the mayonnaise. <laughs> like
0: right. Because if it was no, awful, no. at least you could laugh at how awful it was. Exactly. You
1: know, it's just, this like, is like,
0: you, you know, endless. Yep. I'm going to um, read all the scripts to
1: everybody loves Raymond. All yeah, of them. Just keep on going, man. You'll get there eventually. <laughs> no, I won't. It will never oh. happen. This is not entertaining after a while. It's going to be horrible. But yeah, like that is the, I think that the, the seventies of, I think, you know, we keep on talking about it, but I really, really believe now that like we are on the verge of a new seventies. Like it's got to break at some point. And, uh, Mm -hmm. I, I think that with the, with the passing of, um, of the last phase of Marvel and, uh, and you know, the impact of, uh. You know, coronavirus and all this other stuff is coming together to uh, really put pressure on studios to change uh, their act and their distribution and the kind of stuff that they make and the niches they offer stuff for. And and uh, and simultaneously, you have these, you know, new up-and-comers on YouTube and uh, social media that uh, while no one takes them seriously now, like in another five years – uh, like, you know, it may be that, you know, Jacksepticeye is, you know, uh, and I mean this in the good way, the new Woody Allen, the Woody Allen of 1971. And, uh, mm. and he has that breakthrough. Uh, and, uh, and I think that that is almost by necessity on the way. And, uh, and I think that like just watching things like, you know, in terms of the, the COVID-19 experience, uh, like I hear everybody talking now about like, there's nothing left to watch and we're still in quarantine. You know, and like, we're going to start to, you're going to need new stuff that really wakes people up. And I think we're in that, in that, uh, we're -hmm. we're at that turn the corner moment right now in terms of art and filmmaking.
0: Yeah, we are. I could not agree more. And that is something that I would like to address at some point. (laughs) Uh, um, and yeah new 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 content new medium new a new paradigm i mean actually honestly speaking you're right i mean this is this is it right this could be the moment where basically i mean we talked about it like at some point something has to break where yeah. the 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 marvel universe like Uh, uh, like economy. Yeah. We'll call it pure domination of that uh, idea. If you look at 2019, 2018, that was 80% of the box office was Disney, right? Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And Disney is now in serious financial trouble Mm -hmm. because of uh, it had a, 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 a point of failure that was very interesting. Something unanticipated their point of failure was crowds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Movie theaters, cruises. Cruise lines. Yeah. Yeah. Theme, theme parks, parks. Anything that involved a large gathering of people. That was their point of failure. Right? Right. So right. if there is a pandemic and crowds are no longer allowed to be together, Disney Fails as a business model, something that no one could anticipate at all.
1: Yes, but, right. Yeah, this act their, of God.
0: Their point of failure was not
2: uh, crowds. Their point of failure was the the arrogance to think that they can't tumble, because
0: that the same thing happened without. But they them. were di- they were diversifying in all kinds of way, except for that. That's yes, the only point right. I'm making. But they could they have not just said,
2: you know, what happens if there's a pandemic? And, uh, also, mm. but the point
0: is, uh, they didn't think the, that they were, yeah, jibble, was, or they may have, they, 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 very, were, but, but the, they did, they, they, they did Disney plus just to react I to it, but it friend. was uh,
2: my Apple story, pardon me literally in 2015, there were, there were top Apple executives were saying, we are too dependent upon China because basically a hundred percent of all our products is made, you know, within 700 miles of each other.
3: Right. Right
2: they were basically slapped around. They were not demoted, but they were like, that's the stupidest idea in the world, shut up. And right. they were put back in the woodshed. And that literally is the same type of arrogance that probably drove a lot of the Disney stuff. Um, because and how simple a little, little pathogen <laughs> just take down like yeah. something and the timing. Look, uh, you know, and who is doing that too is Endeavor because they, you know, they spent four billion, or they're, you know, in the hole for billions for uh, the UFC Ultimate Fighting right. Championship. They they dumped a lot of cash into. So it's the same thing, crowds, but it the invincibility is what where you can yeah, see,
3: absolutely
1: because they say, like there's well, a there's a sit- so right. so okay
0: so and, it's interesting. On, go second. ahead, oh, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah, yeah, go ahead but yeah no i think it's interesting what you said chris because like there's this sort of an inherent um cynicism to you know like there will always be the big dumb crowd and we can always play the lowest common denominator and that's what's going to save us right that's what's going to make it like they like you know essentially audiences are cattle and we just need to process the cattle is the uh is the attitude right and it uh it You know, it's dominated Disney's...
0: They're not not looking at the individual or the person that may want something a little bit different.
1: Right, exactly. When that's the saving grace, right? You know, that's proven again and again to be like, you know, uh, like in the 50s and 60s, you know, the the studio system collapsed uh, not due to something like coronavirus, but just simply because, uh, you know, society was changing so rapidly thanks to Vietnam and whatnot, um, that uh, they could no longer just turn out mediocre material. You know, so, like it was rev- but, so this
0: is our Vietnam in terms of that area, right? Yeah, exactly. Because it it, it is going to be that. It's something is going to happen that's going to catastrophize this. Well it has catastrophized yeah. it, right. So
3: and it's almost so got a death the, that's the situation. To right. now. So,
0: at least from right. so uh that's interesting. So now what is what is the saving grace that is holding us together mm-hmm. is the internet, right? So that yeah. is that is right now the internet has become the uh, point of failure. If something happens to the internet...
1: Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's uh, ugly to think about. That's ugly to think about. Right? Because it's the only if thing that something happens us- to
0: the internet, down, then we're down to the, like sticks and stones, right? Like... Yeah. We're done, right? So... Um. yeah, it's very strange, very strange to think about because the internet is the only thing because Netflix is basically, it was, I was reading the the report, the Netflix quarterly report and about talking about what they're going through. And I'm like, yeah, okay. They made a whole bunch more subscribers this quarter, mm-hmm. obviously. Right. And they were, and they were very interesting about the way they reported. It was like, Yes, we made a whole bunch of new subscribers and yes, our profits should be through the roof and everyone should be very excited, but we have and it was this was from the CEOs like Reed Hastings it was like we have to acknowledge the fact that this is temporary, right? Yes, right. Not and I'm not necess- and he's like I'm not necessarily saying we're going to lose those subscribers, but we're not necessarily on a going on uptrend. We are just right going to have to be cautious about this. Right. But what was also interesting is that they also talked about the fact that because they're such an international business, uh, the dollar is so strong right now mm-hmm. that uh, they've actually lost money on a bunch of their international streamers because oh, the value of the currency in those individual countries has gone down. So right. the income they're getting from those other countries has Less. gone down. Right. Right. Makes sense. And that's just basic economic stuff. Right. Right. Uh and I was like, oh right. Yeah. That, yep. hmm, that makes sense. It's not like, yay, you know, whatever. It's like the dollar is like really high. So you actually don't you, you while you think you're making you're gaining more subscribers in Japan or or or, or is you know, Indonesia or whatever it is. You may actually end up making less money in Indonesia, even though you're gaining subscribers, because right. the right. dollar is becoming too strong and the Indonesian currency is right. getting lower. It's too weak. So, yeah.
2: yeah, I think, I think for me, from what I felt in the past couple of months, I feel like this is a real um, turning point it, it for like filmmaking art form, because filmmaking art form is so much, it's like studio based or it's very money based. You know, you need right. a lot of money. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And I kind of, I personally, and I know you could say I'm crazy and I read weird stuff all the time, but I, I just, I don't have a good vibe about the outcome after this. I, I feel like, you know, I, I feel like once, I feel like we're gonna lose our petrodollar significance and it's gonna go to one down the road. Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. think that will change us as a country so dramatically, where our art forms will drastically change. It sounds crazy, because okay. if China, everybody switches, because oil now is like in the negative numbers.
0: Yeah, yeah. right. Okay. And so my point 100% is one hundred percent right, Eric. But one thing I
2: will so much. That one thing I will here is we're not using the global currency is not. The yes. Dollar. And then all of a sudden, you know. Companies aren't going to be spending like we, but the
0: United States has an economy that is based on culture, that is very significant, very significant, uh, and that is I don't I don't see yeah. that disappearing. Even though our own economy, everything else is going to uh, have an uh, have a uh, definitely going to be impacted by this. The culture that the United States is exporting, which it has done for. A long, long time. No one's going to suddenly go like, you know what? Fuck the United States. I'm going to get all my cultural influence from Spain. Like yeah, it's not going to well, happen.
1: They, and that's not to you know, put down Spain, but there's no infrastructure to support that. Right. I, I guess right.
2: my point is is that once the money I'm goes, saying the
0: create the creative creativity of the United States is still. Is we still have a lot right. of creativity that comes out of right. this country, and right. and while it you're right, it has been econ- economized by or, or or by a lot of people in terms of like we're going to create a entire economy out of out of that uh, out of that creativity, and that is flawed and and will be damaged. I still believe that. There's a lot of talent and creativity that comes out of the United States that will flourish through that situation. In fact, other countries may flourish as well, and we will all find a new global creative yep. voice, yeah, I think which may be even true. better.
2: I, I think this is, a, this is a, a seismic shift, what's going on. Oh, it is.
0: You're
1: right. Yep. And yeah, and I think that, like, there's a, to separate it like, I mean, I have no idea what I'm talking about, but I'm going to keep on talking anyway. Is the, uh, that I think that you, you know, you could be right about, like, say, the U.S., like, the, um, like the petrodollar situation, you know, essentially, like, the U.S. is, you know, moves to being, you know, the new version of England, like, it's the second banana country. Like, that's, yeah. that's a possibility, right? And know, like, no that, offense that, to that the English, true. but hey, yeah. you know, that's, that's, that's yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: 20 years. Yeah, right. Like, we will, and so, like, this is,
1: we will be
0: definitely second
1: fiddle for all, yeah. Pretty quickly. Yeah. So that's, a, that's a complete possibility. But the, but, uh, I think that, uh, like artistically, which is, you know, like that's what I deeply care about. You know, I think that Chris is right. I mean, like that we are, uh, we remain, uh, like we, re- we've remained dominant in terms of just like generalized, you know, cultural output, you know, Avengers style movie making stuff. Um, but in a way, you know, like the way that we react to this now and the way that all the countries around the world, uh, react to this now as artists, uh, can change things for the better, uh, and sort of, uh, uh, establish a whole new front of creativity. Like you see in like, you know, the, um, the Renaissance that you see in, you know, in a smaller way, but in the seventies in America. You know, like that's when there's a giant crisis like this, you know, like everybody starts struggling with it. And part of the way you process it is by doing art and art is part of what, you know, subsidizes your money making. Like the, the U.S. is cool. We make cool stuff. That's part of what right. we that's how that's that's a huge part of our economy. And uh, and as long as we can. Uh, maintain that and be open to it, then I don't think that we completely collapse. I just think we struggle like everybody else struggles. And I think that if we communicate more creatively with everybody else and we uh, end up with a new era of, of, uh, of a different kind of art.
0: I listen, we, we've, we've, we have, we've created art in a lot of ways. Cultural influence. We have cultural influence, global cultural influence in a lot of ways. I just remember Daniel Buck would never left the United States and we go to freaking Bulgaria and he winds up in a restaurant and he realized like most of the music he's hearing in the restaurant is American music. Right. Right. And to him, he was, I said, yeah, do you not realize how in- like how much influence that music has it to me it makes sense, right? Because that's yeah. what I've been. But he had never left the country, and I was like, "Oh, right. You don't right. realize, like, everywhere you go, you will probably hear rock and roll or whatever." And we were listening to YouTube, which is not American or whatever, but it, but it's still like part of that 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 system, right? Right. Because that's what it comes down to. Like it's and right. and it's like you know you can even talk about British pop, British mm-hmm. pop.
1: Is American music in a lot of ways. Well, I mean, right? a cha- uh, bridge pop changed the world in, uh, in the 60s and 70s, right? right. Yeah, you know, And I think that like the opportunity here is that things do become much more sort of globalized creatively. Uh, right. And, and that becomes a stabilizing force because you will get more. The internet has already brought like way more influence from, uh, like it's not a, it, like the internet has made entertainment not as westernized a uh, business as it used to be. You know, and now you have like K-pop and stuff like that, uh, that they come in, uh, in huge waves into the global consciousness. And I think that, uh, like all of this has been working in big, you know, sort of big Disney style waves of like lowest common denominator stuff crossing over. But I think that the way that we're working now, even in the short period of time that we've been quarantined, like the amount of creative sharing interpersonally has grown um, because it makes people feel safer and better and more connected. And that affects your art. Like it's more, it'll be both more niche and more shared. And that's when you get real creativity happening. When you get those, uh, the cultural crossovers happening between uh groups of people that never really got a chance to speak to each other before and uh, all, right. all under pressure together. And that's when you get really crazy good stuff, you know, and that's when you get like this, the art move, the art film movement of the sixties. You know, that's why everyone knows Ingmar Bergman, you know, that's why everyone knows mm-hmm. Akira Kurosawa. Yeah, you know, that kind of stuff. And I think yeah. there's a huge opportunity for all of that right now. Eventually, people are going to get so sick of Netflix that they're going to start watching the Criterion channel, is what I'm saying.
0: <laughs>
2: I told you I got that.
1: Did
0: you get it? Yeah, see? Oh, yeah, I sent an email.
2: I sent, um, yeah, and I started with... Uh, there's so um, much
0: stuff on there, dude. Oh, that
2: 70s thing is totally, like, up my alley, dude.
3: So I, I know. I, saw, I,
0: saw, I, saw, I took a screen capture of, like, there's a 70s... Like, they, they they make these playlists of like movies that you're going to want to watch. And I'm like, uh, uh, this is like, you know, the the Eric Sheely channel. It was like, we did. <laughs> yeah, the
2: first movie I watched was Performance on, right. on my sister. Oh,
1: yeah. Nice. Yeah. Jagger. Sure. Um, yeah. But I mean, so like, good. they got, uh, they did a great 70s collection of 70s sci fi. Uh huh. So, with yep. some really weird choices in there that I was quite excited about. Uh and I just watched uh I think I brought this up I I just watched uh Tony Scott's The Hunger again. Yeah. Fuck, I love that movie. <laughs> it was like that movie absolutely. Oh my god. Yeah, I, brought Can up we up. Sit, oh, I was just like that movie. Because, watch- uh,
0: okay. Go ahead, Eric. Go ahead, Eric. Um I'm watching the um
2: the the uh the Elvis Presley doc. Uh it's unbelievable. Uh I oh, don't yeah? know if you, it's The Searcher I think it's called. Uh I don't see, know this one. Oh, it's it's HBO or you could see it on Hulu. I think maybe it just came out and it's uh, it's unbelievable because it really covers an angle of uh, Elvis. That's really it goes up to the 68 special, but it talks about his life, but it gives a perspective to him that really it's he's a very serious person. And sure transformative but you kind of his later life kind of buried that and yep. it's another side to him which is kind of like the other side to what you perceive or had known is kind of what i did with the show i wrote and it's like it's the same thing it's like they're normal guys they're not who you think they are and that's, yeah which is
1: the most interesting thing that's like, right that's the most interesting, and it yeah, was the that's same the, angle that's the
2: and then there's also that beatles doc which is so good uh eight days mm-hmm. a week so yeah i heard about yeah guys those are really beautiful talks the really beautiful stuff
1: yeah man
2: um i
0: love criterion it's
1: great criterion is the greatest yeah it's greatest uh yeah watched uh
0: watched uh we were were debating uh because i was watching a bunch of stuff in criterion and i was just browsing through it and karen was watching over and she goes she was watching the, the 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 strip uh of things leaving soon. Right. Because there's obviously like all the streaming to have things leaving soon. And, uh, you right. had uh delicatessen on there and she goes, yeah. Oh yeah. He's like, we should watch that. And he goes, can we watch that with the kids? And I'm like, <laughs> maybe
3: Let's try it. Let's try it. Why not? Right. Right. And, right. uh, I
0: l- and, and they loved it. They loved it because oh, they watched Emily and they loved mm-hmm. Emily. And then we're great. like, we could, do delicate delicatessen is very dark, obviously, right? Yeah, it's a nasty so now, like, film,
1: but it's super fun,
0: right? So now we go like, well, we might it's, we're going to have to watch today Lost Children uh, as well. Right. Uh, right. But I'm going to tell you this: I have to recommend a movie that is, uh, and it's along the same lines of this podcast. We chose this podcast because obviously we talked about it in a previous podcast before the pandemic that we wanted to do a bunch of Woody Allen stuff because we know we love Woody Allen stuff and we have to be represented in a, in a very good way. So we decided to break it down into periods of Woody Allen. And right. this is period one, which is his early work. And we'll go through his mid-work, which is centralized around Annie Hall, let's just say. Mm-hmm. And then we'll go to his later work after that. Uh, but uh, this particular group of uh, Woody Allen films is the goofy comedy stuff that is fun or whatever and light hearted even though there's a lot of depth to it it's also light hearted uh, so I Karen and I watch with the kids one of my uh, 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 I think an underrated comedy that is very mm-hmm. appropriate to watch right now mm-hmm. and I know uh, Dan you've seen I don't know Eric if you've seen or not um, and you should because it involves Christopher Walken uh, blast from the past.
1: Oh yes, so good, so good.
0: Have you not seen it, Agreed. Eric?
1: Oh, good, so good. Oh, yes. Eric. Yeah, that is very appropriate for now. I agree. Am I right? Yeah, totally, totally. Yeah. Okay, we're all, so we're all in our bomb shelter.
2: So it's uh, yeah. So <laughs> it's, oh, a, wait, it's the guy, George of the Jungle guy. Yeah, yes. yeah.
0: It's good. Brandon Fraser. Yes. Yep. At least He's it's first done. Yeah. And Alicia Silverstone is fantastic in this film. This is right yeah. around the time that she did Clueless. She was at a peak of her of her game. She was yeah, really she's very good.
1: super funny, very charming. And I'm a big Brendan Fraser fan uh anyway. And uh yes. I mean it's like it's like to see him slowly come back.
0: And Dave and Foley do few as well. Here and there. Dave, and Dave Foley, Foley as well, that's right. Dave Foley was really funny in this. Um yeah. and we watched it again with the kids and they were just loved it. Because no, it is great. funky, like you 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 come out of isolation and everything is fucked up or different or yeah, whatever it is. Exactly, you know? and exactly. That, that's basically what the movie is about. It's about being isolated for thirty five years in a bomb shelter and coming out and you're like, what the hell's going on? I'm trying to reintegrate um, into society. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good. I'm choice. just like I'm. I'm just sitting here imagining like what it's gonna be like to have a party at our house. Like,
1: no, oh, yeah, I don't know.
3: Whenever it's that feels weird, it's gonna be yeah. weird.
0: And, it, and and it's probably not going to be for, like, another year before I feel yeah, comfortable. Year.
3: Yeah. You
1: know,
0: I have you know, realistically,
1: not to get anyone, everyone down, but, I mean, like, you know, we're in this situation because a few people came into the country who had this. <laughs> and so, like. Well, if it's we, not uh, just um, that. It's not just right.
0: that. It's also because we're not freaking taking care of it. Oh yeah, right? well, be exactly. now, now it's not like, well, my state doesn't need to do this, and now it's right. like, oh fuck you! Like, one yeah. fucking state is going to just ruin it for everyone, and it's well, going to yeah, drag on like, and on yeah. and on and on. At yeah. the
2: end of this, are you still going to make your pangolin salad, that famous recipe. Oh man, of yours? delicious
1: pangolin salad!
2: <laughs> it's so tender, and I'm like, I wonder yes, all of this, yes, if all this, yes. he's going to still
1: do it. The <laughs> I, salad? I think you should. Um, <laughs> yeah, He's talking it's about just, open meat markets. That's the uh, that's the guy. Yeah. Um Yeah, and then also too. Well uh, hold on. Let's get
0: <laughs> let's get back let's get back to the bat soup problem, right? Oh, bat right. soup is about as toxic as bacon. Oh, because yeah, the it's, fact is yeah. we eat pig, which is yeah, just we do as all toxic the, all as the stuff that bats so right. like for instance whatever for instance, the hell like, you're doing don't blame it on bats because yeah. or, or, or the, or the Chinese back. or anything like that yes or the or like Chinese instance, or anything yeah. else
1: because like yeah. the, the reason why we have uh, I think I believe it might be salmon no, not salmonella it's what's the other big uh, uh, salmonella not salmonella it's the it, anyway along the lines of salmonella it's Advertis? not salmonella it's no no Ecoli. Uh, uh, Ecoli. Uh, E.coli 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 is because of the way uh, of American Ecoli? industrial farming Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, And like this is the – And salmonella
0: as well. Like the only reason we have salmonella in chicken is because we process too many chickens that we can't contain it
1: yeah exactly and this so like so it is so pinning this on the chinese or on foreigners or any of this other stuff like that is just it's i mean though it's it is part of the way that we run the world right now that these things are going to crop up no matter what mm -hmm. country we're talking about and uh and so like i I just want to say when i phrased it as you know a couple people coming in from another country and that's why we're in this i don't mean anything like it's because it's other countries fault i'm just saying it's like you know like under 20 people originally had this and then because of that, now a million people have it, or two million people have it in the world. And, uh, and yeah. that's, how just, the, just that's how viruses clarify,
2: work. I know. But just to clarify, uh, even China has said it started in wet markets. But the concept for oh, yeah. me of wet yeah. markets is is horrible. They should have stopped it 10 years ago when they were asked.
1: It's, yeah, it's, it doesn't. Uh, like, that's where, Chinese I mean, so, markets, stuff like SARS comes from and all that. Like, absolutely. Right. Like, like the beautiful
2: the, bobcats. Right. And they'll cut them right in front of you and kill them.
1: Like these that, That's creep- something that, uh, yeah, like th- it's a, it's a, they it's it a mechanism of. Too. They
0: do it well, in Well, hold hold on.
1: Anywhere, Eric, like, these are, these I understand the, like, what you're comes- just saying,
0: but you go to any slaughterhouse, you gotta sit. You got It's like, it's not about the beauty of the animals, that's causing the pandemic. No, I just like- want to be realistic about it. You have it's, to, you have to, you cannot, it's, it's, you, it's, if you're going to be scientific about this, you cannot Chris. put emotion into this. Okay, so Chris, you have no, to think about it. Yeah,
2: please. Okay. The concept of the wet market is, is that you can have a chicken and then a bobcat in a cage above it. That has been like the yes. scientific community has spoken out for 20 years. that this. That's how things of, jump. Yeah, yes. You're and, right. You're like, completely stop right. Stop yes. doing this. I put right. the emotion in saying these beautiful animals they're going to eat what they're going to eat but the concept of like we're just going to throw a bobcat next to a raccoon next to a pangolin next to a bear it's, right. and, it's a bad idea. Cut, and the way they cut them is literally on the ground that's why they're called wet right. markets
1: right so right. Like, and- like there's yeah like the the way that the way that it's talked about is like when you know like the Trump administration talks about it they're trying they're trying to phrase this stuff as if the, as if it's because I mean the subtext essentially when Trump talks it's because the Chinese are a dirty people is what he's trying to get across. Oh yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. This is the way he's trying to say it. They've actually said uncivilized, uncivilized people. Exactly. The and the thing is, is like, but the well, the, the, the real the reality of this is like wet markets are are definitely a bad way to do business. Industrialized farming, the way we handle chickens in the United States, is a bad way to do that business. Industrialized uh, uh, farming of cattle is is. Is a huge part of why we have the ecological trouble that we have today. Like right. the, none of these things are viable. And we're now we're learning it hardcore. And it happens to be, you know, today it came from, uh, you know, wet markets in Wuhan or whatever it is. But tomorrow it comes from a processing plant in mid oh, California, yeah. you know, and so like these are like the fact that all this stuff is globalized, um, is and it's everywhere instantaneously, uh, we should recognize the very simple fact of how viruses work. And when you have like uh, states like whatever, Georgia, et cetera, like they're just like, we've got to, we have to be free and we have to not do this. I'm just like, this is how we stay in this for four years. If you do this, right. like you have to lock it down. That's the only way it works. Yeah. Like it's, that's the simple science of it. And the reason why it's taken so long is because we have not locked it down very firmly. We've actually done, I have to, I'm really impressed with America and particularly in California like well, how well, really good. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. how well it's been. Hopefully,
0: handled. hopefully we are. I mean, honestly speaking, California. If, I've been. I'm a numbers guy, so I've been looking at the numbers. California's actually be doing really well, even though we are in the worst state. We are in the most populous yeah. state, and we're dealing yeah. with the worst problems. Uh, yeah. We are so far ahead of our statistically speaking compared to other places. And we shouldn't be considering the density of the population and yeah. the amount of people. No, yeah. very, also, very well.
2: Not only that, is that a lot of the trade routes, like from planes from Asia, they come through here.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: You know, yeah. It's it's in fact, and, they, well, they just figured that out, that, it, that the actual first cases were here, you know, Los, were, Angeles, um, yeah. Los Angeles. Yeah. And uh, like the first visible cases were in Seattle, but the uh, we people were actually being infected here weeks before yeah. that. Um, But I think, like this is the that's the thing. It's like I, I think, I be I right think I I'll be right back. Hold on, I'll be right back. Good. I yeah, there's a pretty it. good chance. Like because what they're what because they're saying, saying now, and I think this February, right? Same. Yeah. Same. The,
2: the worst flu I've ever had in my life. My daughter and I. Yeah, was it so may have sick. been it. Well, they it was, they uh,
1: oh. because they're the thinking now, and this obviously may change by the time the podcast comes up. But like the thinking now is that the death rate is a little lower than they thought, but the infectiousness is much much higher. Oh, and it's so the a,
2: or a systematic walking tide pools yeah, of uh Yeah. And bacteria. so like
1: the the like it's gonna be very, very especially in the coming winter, it's gonna be extremely difficult to control it. And I think that the uh the argument of like, you know, it's it's a tough like relaxing stuff now. It's like then you're just opening the doors again and then we're really gonna to have to go into lockdown in winter. You know, it's just like we have it's to, totally we have to bite economy. the bullet. You know, I hate to I hate to say it, but that's, that's, that's just how I feel about it. it. I'm not, you know, yeah. I'm just not do not with it now up. is what you're saying. Exactly. You know, because like the most successful countries have been the ones that have uh, very firmly locked it down. And, uh, and that's how you stop the spread of the thing. And, and so like, I think that it's a, you know, it's created a unique situation and to bring it back around to what we really talk about, which is movies and art is like, it's created a unique situation for everybody um, you know, obviously it's a, it's a terrible situation, but like to try and look at the, the use, like trying to try to look at it usefully Um, like it's a unique situation where people are really sort of, and artists are really left to think about what it is they want to be doing and have the opportunity to at least do it on a small, you know, in your house kind of scale. Um, Then that's as artists, I think that's our responsibility is to sort of like look at, the, look at, Uh, what we want to be doing and take advantage of the time that we are, you know, that we, you know, for a sad situation that we now have. Um, and that is how things will change for the better in terms of, um, all the things that we felt we couldn't do before. We had excuses for, well, I don't have the time. Like now is the time to try to take action on that stuff. And you, like, you've pushed really hard for art this year. Like Brady when, wants to Eric, say you, hi, guys. Sorry. Oh, hey, I don't ben. want to talk to Oh, gosh. Oh, hey. <laughs> you guys remember? Hi. You guys remember? How are you doing, brother? How are you? Yes. Uh, uh, for our listeners, this is uh, uh, our former, our friend of the show, Brady, uh, who came on to talk about uh, uh, War of the Worlds. War of the Worlds. Sure. Yes.
0: This is Brady. He, he uh, yeah, yeah, Brady can't hear uh, because I have headphones on, so he can't hear what you guys are saying. But yeah, this is Brady, and he was uh, War of the Worlds uh, special guest. Yeah. And uh, thank you for, for joining us. And I asked him actually to come to the room because I've been staring at his gecko cage, and I asked him if he can bring his gecko out so I can play with his gecko. Oh, let's see it. Uh, while we're uh, recording. So that sounds he's good. He's doing that. But the gecko is very stubborn. <laughs> okay, he's got that. There is I it go.
1: true? Can I ask a gecko question? Yes, you can. Like, yeah.
0: Yes, you can ask a gecko question. Here's the
1: gecko. I, the way I understand it, and this may not be true, uh, but the way I understand it is gecko's stickiness comes from a subatomic reaction um, uh, at the surface of the skin. And it's essentially holding the gecko to the wall via quantum physics. Is that true? It's
0: electrostatic, actually.
1: Ah, uh, there we go. Uh, That's amazing. It's
0: it's the sim, it's the similar uh, from what I know, uh, it's the similar thing that happen like like a saran wrap doesn't have any glue but it clings to things,
1: right? Right, makes sense. The same
0: sense. technology. Uh, Geckos are high teched. Yeah it's <laughs> it's uh it's the bottom of their paws. It's the it's like the. The 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 pores between their paws are have all these micro hairs that create this electrostatic binding.
1: Right. That's insane.
0: Yeah, uh, and and, and, oh. and then and, then then uh, then Marco here, who you can see in the in a in a monitor, he's okay. actually very clingy and very cool, and he's got a prehensile tail, so he'll actually
3: <laughs> look at him go. Yeah, yeah, Still he's on.
0: actually pretty cool. That's uh, awesome. I, I I really like Marco. He's actually really really a great little gecko. Do cats uh, get along gecko? with geckos? Uh, <laughs> they we, love them. Well, we don't. They, <laughs> they keep. They, we have we have a gecko. We have a, a a ball python, and we have a um and we have a um uh two cats. And uh, the cats stay together. The ball python stays on its own, and the geckos. So we don't really try to test. The wet market of our house, shall we put it that way? <laughs> <laughs> right. Do not take
1: the pangolin out. Just to yeah. play around on the podcast. Yeah, that's right. And that's
0: uh so yeah, not don't don't take him out. But <laughs> um what's also interesting is that his, uh Marco's uh stickiness, he's a crested gecko, by the way, uh, which is an interesting kind of gecko. It has a long history. You can look it up on Wikipedia. Um uh, his uh, stickiness goes way down when he's about to shed. Ooh. No kidding. So he actually starts to slip on things a lot, <laughs> right? That's a drag. And then he sheds, uh-huh. and he become, after he sheds, he becomes super sticky, where to right. the point where like you're like you're like you like sucking him off your body, like yeah. That's hysterical. Yeah, but what's also interesting is because of if you look at. It, it, like they have these their little flippers their hands like spread out really wide like this right. and then when they 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 have an interesting articulation to their fingers mm-hmm. that you is there to like unstick themselves and stick themselves back on right so like the the it's it's their their finger manipulation is actually kind of beautiful. Because it's not just it's not just about like you know it's a lot like
1: right healing themselves off and on yeah it's it's very
0: suctiony right so they have like this uh their 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 spread of fingers is also very wide so that it Mm -hmm.
1: enables their grasp you know and also they don't stick to themselves then it ends up like a glue commercial. (laughs)
0: They don't. They don't. Yeah, they don't stick to themselves. And he's really pretty, actually. He's got this very really pretty color. And uh, and uh, yeah, he's a he's a he's a crested gecko from New Caledonia, and he's about nine months old right now. He'll live probably about twenty years. Yeah, of course.
1: I think I uh, I may have seen his great 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 grandfather in a couple of 1950s films in slow motion attacking a town
3: <laughs> i believe that uh
1: the the great igu- the giant iguana uh and uh, uh a couple other movies uh use uh, geckos and uh, other similar life forms filmed at high frame rates to make them look gigantic and so uh so we should uh, we should interview him for his uh film history it's like he's probably a Barrymore of geckos
0: <laughs> yeah, he's really cool. This is Marco. He's Marco, so he's got nice. a prehensile tail. Look
1: at that!
3: Hey, uh, <laughs> not that bad, Marco. Yeah, he's so cool.
0: He's like, nope, he's... nope. I want to sa- look, look at that. He's so like, he's like, I'm all cool.
2: Argonians but smaller.
0: <laughs> yeah, and he's got. You see his tail wrapped around there.
1: Oh, I love
3: him, he's dude. So It's cute. great. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Did you ever, was, uh, 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 Olivia, can you hear me, Olivia? Yeah.
3: Um,
0: did you ever see, um, uh, uh, our, our snake? Uh,
2: yeah, I think I have.
0: Oh, uh, okay. So yeah. So, so Lily showed it to you. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, he's a bigger guy. He's like five <laughs> pounds. He's a big snake, but yeah, this is Brady's, this is Brady's pet and, uh, He's nocturnal right now, so he's actually just waking up.
1: <laughs> That's how I feel most uh, of the time.
2: Is this Shashu? This is our gecko.
0: Oh, Shashu. Yeah. For the listeners, and you guys have listened to Martini Giant, especially faithful listeners, you all know who Shashu is. But uh, he, I have known him since he was a puppy, since long before Olivia was a baby or a concept of a baby. That's right. <laughs> Say hi, Chad. He's 16 now. Oh, 16 years old. Oh, dude. D- d- has he had his, his sweet 16 birthday? Sweet 16. We bought
2: him a white Porsche <laughs> with <laughs> custom
0: license. Yeah. 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 That would so. fit right into the Armenian neighborhood that I live in. <laughs> <laughs> there you go.
2: Dude. there's chris but this is our little gecko
0: he's good he's the best you
3: can do today we're doing good
0: i don't know if this is interesting to our listeners at all i'm like (laughs) we're showing off pets on video cameras and they're like oh look at that Yeah, yeah yeah i don't know it's like oh wait is that a cat wait what are we showing off Oh that, oh, that is a fish. cat. <laughs> I was like, I, I have to tell you, it's Eric, your, your video is so so blocky that I didn't even realize you were showing a cat.
1: <laughs> is that still Dan? Why is he playing with fish, <laughs> Chris? Uh,
2: check out Olivia's shirt. What does it say? Come into the light.
0: Oh, it's a Rolling Stone shirt. Oh, Rolling nice. Stone, classic,
1: yeah, great one. That's good, Olivia. We have seen was your artwork, and it's amazing.
0: Yeah, your art, Olivia, your artwork is fabulous. Uh, go follow Olivia's artwork on uh, OliviaShirley dot com. OliviaShirley dot com. Uh, Lily went to go see your website, by the way, and she loves it. She goes, "That is ridiculous! How talented that girl is!" It's like yeah. she
2: takes after her
3: father. Yes. Yeah. About
0: that. She's my uh, my daughter takes off, does not take after <laughs> me, and she is a big writer. She can write and has oh, yeah. ideas in her head. She can write scripts and does ideas. And, she's written uh, a novel. She's written a novel. Yeah, yeah, crazy. on That's her really phone
2: it's until not she until
0: she re- yeah because she didn't realize that she needed a real keyboard.
2: Was it called <laughs> the History of the Burbank Speaking Peoples? No.
0: <laughs> yes, <laughs> Volume One. The story <laughs> so of beautiful downtown Burbank.
2: Yeah, that's right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't um, be more fascinating.
2: Couldn't be more fascinating. Right, Chush, There we go. This COVID is makes actually a good um podcast.
1: Does it? That's. But it. It's I'm, a
2: different angle, you know. Because you.
0: Yeah, we get to hang out,
1: dude. I I this is a much better experience when uh, I'm not time delayed by an hour and a half.
0: <laughs> no yeah well we so the last time we did this we were doing well hell what what was the actual podcast we did i don't even remember the subject of it uh oh yeah it was our um uh, our our comedy shows thing Think about- yep. from youtube right. comedy shows uh your by olivia. Bye, olivia. Bye, olivia um your 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 uh you had a significant latency that made it, it much more challenging. it was pretty
1: radical. Yeah. Like, yeah. that was really strange. And, and now, more now so we're dealing usual, with like...
0: significantly less latency.
1: Yeah, so. this is much better. I'm doing this for much. my phone, which I hope the audio is still good, but it's, uh, it's, well, it's
0: uh, no, better. because we tested it yesterday. It'll be fine. Yep.
1: Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's no, all good stuff. But yeah, no, this has been a very comfortable podcast experience and I get to hang out with my cat. So I'm, I'm quite pleased. Yeah. How many <laughs> cats do you have? I only have one. I don't think he put up another one. What's his name? He has fights with another cat. His name is Mango. We didn't give that to him. He he came with that. Okay, so packaged. Mango
0: is his name. Oh, yeah.
1: name o. Mango is his name. And he's uh, <laughs> yeah, he's a sort of kidding, naughty, crazy. elitist, uh, very judgmental. How old is cat. Mango? Mango is seven, seven so. okay. Yeah, All right. he's a younger middle-aged cat, and he's like he's in his thirties, early thirties, still partying. And uh, and vomiting on my uh, pillowcase. That's as much yeah. as you can.
0: Yeah. Vomiting is vomiting is a fun thing for cats. I think they do that because they would really think that like that's how they hold power is vomiting.
1: No, oh, that's how they punish you for sure. Like yeah, he, he yeah. doesn't he doesn't vomit anywhere. Yeah. He vomits where he knows you will like, be.
0: There, there's three <laughs> levels. There's three levels <laughs> of cat power. being pissed off. Like right. like pooping on stuff. They will do that, but mm, that's okay. Vomiting yeah. is harder because yeah. that involves deeper Planting. fibers, right? Yeah. to, to it's, clean, etc. You have to. You have but to lick you yourself really, for days. If you're really, the, the really pissed off at your, at your, at your owners, and you're a cat, you mm-hmm. piss on stuff because that means you have to throw it away. Whatever you just yeah, it's got, just you gone, you have to be gone. vetoed,
1: away. It's, vetoed. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's yeah. the worst. Yeah, mango doesn't do that. He's not quite that mean. No, our uh, cats
0: our our cats throw
1: up a lot on stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a that's a common one. Yeah, he but he mango has joined me a a lot for uh, Criterion Channel and Hulu. He watched most of Succession with us, which is very nice.
3: What did you think of Succession?
1: Oh, I love it! Super fun. I've only seen the first season, but it was super fun. Love that show. Yeah, really, really like just hilarious. Like it's exactly the kind of sort of soap opera story that i love and it's just funny enough that you can like both take it seriously and laugh at it and the characters are brilliant and the uh
0: Culkin is so
1: awesome oh he's hysterical absolutely he's great perfect hey so great.
0: have you guys seen any of the stuff on amazon with tales from the loop or whatever
1: it's called I have not seen that. No, th- this is uh, we brought this up before, and uh, I think I misspoke. Uh, well, we mentioned it before because I, I may have said uh, it's based on a role playing game. It is not based on a role playing game. It's based on the artwork of this uh, of uh, uh, of, a, of a great sci fi artist, um, uh, which I can't recall his name right off the top of my head. I was aware of the artist before the role playing game, uh, but it uh, it's all sort of come together into one thing. I was really surprised to see um, this come out of the blue. And it's directed, I think, by, um, what's his name? Uh, who did stuff for Didi? Lots of stuff for Didi. Um, commercial director. I think we've worked with him. George Wrench? No. No, not, uh, not, uh you know, no, Carl, Carl Wrench? No, um, shoot, he directed Carl. The were, uh, the Werewolf with, um, Benicio Del Toro. And, uh, yeah, he's, uh, oh, I can't think of the name right off the top of my head. But anyway, like, uh, I didn't even know they were making this thing. And, uh, 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 I really, really love the artwork and the design. I I have not gotten a chance to take a look the at uh, the show yet. Have you? No,
0: I haven't. I mean, honestly speaking, like when you you said like people are getting running out of things to watch, I'm like, how is that even possible?
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, I don't <laughs> right. you know. That's that would be my like me going to Target and sampling every single brand of toothpaste. I don't think I could do that. Well, I think it's
1: gotten into, I think it's fair to say that it's got, it's starting to get into the territory where everyone has watched everything that they're aware of or were aware of before this started. Right. Like that, like there's a, there's a short list of stuff that everyone recommends constantly, you know, like The Wire or Deadwood or blah, 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 whatever it is. And I think that within the next few weeks, everyone will have worked out all of their debt uh to other people about watching so the stuff they, they either are, are
0: going to they're going to watch it sample it abandon it and move on mm-hmm. or whatever right, right? that's right. what you're saying right okay Yeah. and so when i say so the they will they, Netflix, will they will sample a palette of different right. types of content
1: and, and like eventually you're you have to start breaking into stuff you've never even heard of before and i think right. that that is actually a very healthy point of point of view in terms of yeah. being an art consumer of art and i think that uh like, you, you just have to take a chance on stuff. And I think that that's where you're going to end up, like, finding real gems that you've never imagined But isn't,
0: it, isn't that also the situation where you're basically, like, you want to find something that you can keep getting more of it. So it's a drug, right? Yeah. So as opposed right. to, like, I really liked this movie, like, Delicatessen. And then, like... Mm-hmm. Well, if you like delicatessen, you can watch City of Lost Children and you know Emily, and then you're shit out of luck after that. You know, what yeah, I mean? exactly right, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah then, like then
1: you're then suddenly you're an Alien Four country, and it's it's very it's not as good. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 that's not going to work. So, <laughs> right. so, yeah.
0: so, so like that's it. Like, so, so you have to keep risking <laughs> seeing yeah, something that you like haven't things. seen before, yeah, and that's something that this. That in the entertainment world, we haven't been used to, right? Because, Not for a long time, yeah. Because, like, you know, it's interesting because um, beginning of the year, you know, at, 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 at in December 31st, we had mm-hmm. to watch Frasier disappear from Netflix. And it was a big deal because That's, Brady yeah. and yeah. I – we watched, you know, Frasier constantly. Right. And then it disappeared. And then suddenly – Like we went through, you know, the last few months. I was like, "All right, Frasier's gone," And so everyone's watch, like everyone, you know, graduated to watching other shows, and The Office became the dominant show that The American Office became the dominant show that they're watching at home as our as our background show or whatever it is. And then suddenly, Frasier reappeared on Hulu, right?
1: Right. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And so,
0: like, oh, and then like now, Frasier is back on TV, right? And And it was like, "You should try something different." But it's like, no, I, I like the familiar. The familiar feels good,
1: right? Oh, totally. I mean, I think there is a diet that you want to. It's like you want your uh, you want your fresh stuff. You want your new things that you've never experienced before. You want A smattering of that, and you right. want your core, you know, meat and potatoes of Friends, Frasier, The Office, uh, you know, Mash, West Wing, uh, Deadwood. And that right. kind of material. And like, it's a good, you know, like, it's, I love watching shit that it's just like, for me, I mean, I'm a little bit more movie based in this, but it's just like, like, if there's, if I, I can't think of anything to watch, I watch all the president's men. It's just the thing that I put on. And it makes me feel right. comfortable and happy that this good movie is playing in the background and I don't think about it, you know, or Miami Vice or, you know, whatever it is, you know, comes down the road. And like, uh, and I think that's a, that's a, that's a good thing to have. And I don't think we should get rid of that, but I, I think that like, uh, for a long time now, for at least a decade plus, like we have trained ourselves to, uh, avoid new things generally. And, uh, now we're being forced to exercise that muscle again. Uh, and, uh, when uh, audiences open themselves up to that, that's when you get, um, Ingmar Bergman films becoming popular. That's when you get, uh, seventies filmmakers and like the, uh, the nineties new wave, you know, and, uh, and stuff like that. And so I think that that's the exciting part for me. It's like, I I hear people talking about stuff that they know that, you know, that they just never would have watched before. And they just, they just run that stuff. So they're, they're, they're trying new material. Right. And, uh, and, and I think that like, there's also a sort of like, uh, like I never watched um, uh, Jimmy Fallon before. Like, I think he's kind of funny. Like I I don't, I don't mind him, but I never really watched his show, but I watch his show from home all the time. And, uh, Mm -hmm. And it's, it's really comforting to me to watch this. Like it's just at his house with his kids and watching it makes me feel safer and better about the world. And like everyone is friendly and good. And, uh, and I think that that's another weird new sort of territory that's been broken. Like even, even things that are familiar, like the, you know, the tonight show with Jimmy Fallon have changed into something, uh, different and new that is still comfortable and, and makes you feel good. So I think like right. every 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 front is being uh uh you know uh you know every every front is being changed in some way.
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah, and maybe the thing you were talking about was getting run out, or, or the comfortable things that were. You know, the, you were talking about the the list of things that they wanted to see, and they're running out of that. I think the habits and, and our perception of things are going to change after this. It's interesting. True. More people are like closer to their family and they're probably listening more, mm-hmm. you know, um, rather than just getting through their day, they're listening more. So it's, uh, I'm curious to see all the kind of, I, I think I mentioned before, like what the stats are and like people were watching and
0: stuff and what people were doing, you know, a year. Well, from I now. can, I can tell you this, uh... you know what I mean? generally generally speaking though uh podcast numbers are down uh overall yeah and and uh i there's a very easy explanation for why that's happening podcast numbers are down because people aren't driving to work
3: uh,
1: that's true yeah
0: right and podcast was like the best alternative to radio which sucks radio sucks like have yeah. you turned on the radio recently
2: it's yeah. the worst
0: experience in the world. Like, it
2: used to be so cool.
0: Yeah, yeah, but it's oh, yeah, terrible. Absolutely. It's no, terrible. Nothing, it's all about nothing, nothing, ads nothing. and pushing products, right? It's all it like it's 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 terrible. So podcasts and, and internet radio is an amazing alternative to that. And mm-hmm. so that's that's kind of a cool thing. So um uh, our podcast numbers are down. They're not down terribly. I'd say they're down like 20% maybe, like 15%. Yeah.
1: It makes sense. People are like
0: hanging out at home and watching stuff and talking to their families. I I listen to a ton of podcasts when I'm driving and two and a half hours a day of my life is in a car and almost all the time I'm listening to podcasts. I don't have – now that I'm working from home – I don't have two and a half hours that I'm sitting at home staring into at in the ether listening to podcasts, right? <laughs> right. I actually just work, right? Because right. most of my work does not allow me to listen to podcasts. Because you know, I'm not a, a matte painter or a modeler where I can listen to a podcast and do my work, right? Karen right. is a flame artist and she spends a lot of time doing finesse work that listening to podcasts is actually a really good thing for her to get through her work. Right. So, right, right. um, uh, it, well, this, it, it this helps. is
1: interesting that you bring it up because I hadn't even thought of it. Like normally I do because as you said, like I'm a Matt painter, I listen to podcasts literally 100% of the day. You know, that's all I do.
3: Right. Exactly. I
1: have not listened to a podcast, even though I have been working. Uh, I have, I, my habits changed totally. Like I have not listened to any podcasts at all for the past, Month and a half, I didn't even think about it. But it's so true. what?
0: What are you doing while you're working?
1: Uh, I put on movies and uh, TV shows, and just let the this let the audio play.
0: So um, okay, you've done that before, though. Yeah, no, I, m- I usually mix it up. So what's different? Bit. Is it the fact that it's not it's not as egregious to play a movie while you're working as it was before?
1: Well, I haven't thought about it until this very second, but I'm betting that the main reason is that I listen to all my podcasts via my phone and I don't use my phone for much anymore right now. Right. <laughs> like I just don't interact with it very much because I don't have to. Um, yeah. If I'm using, if I'm, you know, if I want to interact with uh, um, you know, Facebook or any social media outside of Instagram, like I'm usually doing it on my computer. And then, other than that, I'm hanging out with my family and watching stuff for chilling out or, you know, whatever it is, we're reading. And none of that involves my phone. And, uh, whereas like all of my podcasts come through the podcast, you know, app that I have on my phone. And I just don't, I just didn't think to port it over to my PC. And so I haven't listened to any of them at all. I, I, I do, have I do
0: remember, up. I do remember my time at Sony and Eric, you were there. You and I were working, uh, there at the same time on the same show. And I was so effing bored because the work was so simple. I was paid a lot of money at the time to do the simplest work. And apparently they're like, oh, you're so good at what you do. And like, I can't believe a monkey can fucking do this work. (laughs) Right. And and I was sitting at my desk, a very nice desk at Sony, uh, Herman Miller, adjustable height desk with nice furniture. And there was so much time between decision-making and uh, uh, evaluation that I basically brought a laptop to work and I just watched a ton of movies and TV shows or whatever was going on just to distract myself from the monotony of that (laughs) waiting time. Right, uh, and it was that time I realized like visual effects is is, is ridiculous, and this was a long time <laughs> ago. Like, right. like just sitting there waiting for the next version, and it's going to take eighteen hours. It's like that is insane to think yeah. about that process. Right. So during that time, I watched all of Kirby enthusiasm, all of *Lost*. Wow. Mm-hmm. I watched all of it, and I, I, you know, I, I basically downloaded it all illegally on BitTorrent on, <laughs> on my laptop. Like seriously, because like I need something to get through my day, uh, right. and then, and then uh, I got I got so desperate towards the end that I started watching Desperate Housewives. That was the oh end. man, uh, you crossed the line. Yeah. There it
1: is. There it is. Yeah. That's yep. that's how how far will will it will will you go before you before you turn that corner? <laughs> mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah, I watched really
0: all of Lost, like the entire all all the seasons, everything. Yep. Yep. I'm like, yeah, well, got that done. <laughs> <laughs> so still to this day when I sit there and I and I and I and I and I and I hear the Kirby enthusiasm theme song, like, dun
3: dun dun dun, like <laughs> yeah, that right.
0: is like S- me stuck at a desk at Sony, like that's what it sounds <laughs> like to funny. me. Like, and I'm, listen, nothing against Sony. Sony was a great place, great benefits, great everything. Like, just it's the idea of like, no, nope, we know this is inefficient, but why do you care? You're just getting paid. Yeah. Keep going, and <laughs> that is that is the 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 inefficiency of visual effects. It was pathetic. Horror. <laughs> Is
2: it still like that though, you
0: think? I don't think it's like that anymore. No. Obviously, it's not like that anymore, because otherwise they we wouldn't be in this you no, know. yeah, it's not like yeah. that. But right. but there's still a lot like that. Philosophically speaking, there's still people that are like, No, we need to entirely <laughs> overbuild the system, right? <laughs> right? We need we need for Spider-Man, we need to build all the buildings using a particle system in Houdini instead of just way. fucking so, just building the buildings. Like right. just build the buildings. That's actually faster than, you know, over-engineering everything. So, we must
1: yeah. create a brick simulator and construct the buildings out of brick simulations.
0: <laughs> you have no sense. idea how, how, <laughs> how
3: close you are to reality in that statement. That's amazing. Yeah.
0: We'll spend six months creating a brick simulator and just like <laughs> – just do it. <laughs> what was the quote that someone sent? It was it was a gift that someone sent. It was recently from uh, Spaceballs. It's like, stop preparing, just get, fucking go. <laughs> 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 do you remember that one? That's good. <laughs> Why you preparing? Yeah, just stop preparing. Just go. <laughs> stop
1: preparing. Stop preparing. Just go. Yeah, that life lessons right there. Life lessons. <laughs> yeah. Do you like Important
0: Spaceballs? Spaceballs?
1: Yeah. yeah.
3: Meh, I that's mean, it's not
1: great. his best movie. No, yes. a couple of good gags. Not that great. Not like uh, I'm a I'm a huge Young Frankenstein fan, huge Blazing Saddles fan, yeah. and uh, I love uh, his old uh, his old material, thousand you know thousand year old man and that kind of stuff.
0: History World. We watched that with the kid with Brady. That was his like get a little racy comedy because it yeah. like you know some funny like funny
1: business then. That. That. That's some good business Like it's not it's a consistent, but it's pretty funny. No, well, saddle Saddles. So, that thing. No? Yes. Oh my God. She, well. Yeah anything she does is amazing.
3: Yeah.
0: Um, we were, Karen and I were, were sitting in our room and uh, we were talking about, I think we were talking about What's Up Tiger Lily, actually, going back to Woody Allen. <laughs> and we were talking remember. about whether it would be okay to watch with the kids. And then Karen said, would that be a little racist to watch with the kids? And as she said that, Lily walked by our room and then, like, did a, like, and turned what? around and just started laughing at us. It was like, what do you want us to watch? And it was yeah, really funny. racist
1: movie. We didn't know if you'd be into. Yeah. It was like,
0: uh, yeah, I'm going no. to say no. They explained to her, and then we watched it. It was like, let's put it into context and watch right. What's Up, Tiger Lily. <laughs> Does this feel racist to you? And do you realize, like, this is in the 60s or whatever? Like, like the thing is, like... People are, you know, especially younger generations are not actually very forgiving of older cultures, uh, yes. uh right. especially fair their so. language yeah, in terms of what so. may be
1: racist or that noise. being hypercritical of yeah. them. I think that's a true right, yes. yeah. And I think, I think that is, I think that it's it's useful to be able to. I think, like, the, the difficulty, the difficult thing for everyone to process now, this is not any one generation, because we're all, we're all doing this is because of the way we, the way we talk now, like we want to make things sort of as arch and argumentative as possible to firm up our position and belief. And so we all tend to be very unforgiving about context, uh, and especially other people's context. And, uh, because it makes it uh, more expedient to take the high ground and make your funny statement and tweet and get out. And, uh, and, uh, I think that it's better uh if you're a little bit easier on it uh and try to hear what the intent of things is rather than like you know whatever random context got you know produced an insult uh i think it's just better to think about stuff and uh and so like with, with you know if you go into stuff like what's a tiger lily where you're just like yeah it's made in the 60s or in late 70s the jokes are very 60s jokes you know, there's going to be some, you know, like some sexist, like sexism that's uncomfortable. There's going to be some uh, stereotyping that will be a little uncomfortable, but like nobody in it is out to try to hurt anybody. Uh, they're just, you know, it's before we, uh, before we changed culturally. And so you just have to sort of, you know, op- just open up your heart a little bit and give a little, give a little, a little bit easy on it. And then right. you find all the, the love and goodness it, that's actually. It in was,
2: It was Rickles.
1: Yeah. 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 You know, like, that's fair. Yeah. Like, like, and I love, I love Don Rickles, Don, don, classic insult comedian, man. And like, that was a time where in, like, the idea of an insult comedian was not, not only acceptable, it was widespread and hilarious. And it is hilarious. But you have to take, in order for it to be funny, you have to be very open hearted about yourself. Mm -hmm. And uh, Rickles, Rickles is a really good person. Like he was a really good man and a and a kind person, and mm-hmm. uh and he was doing this as as a way of getting that idea across, and it was just a weird. You but you just said you have to be sentence.
2: kind to yourself.
1: where did you? Yeah, say no, kind I think to
2: yourself? because that's yeah. a really important
1: note. Yeah, yeah, I think that, yeah. I think that like because I, I think that it's uh when you when you judge people really harshly and especially in an out of context fashion. Um, you're actually doing yourself a disservice because what you're saying is I am not strong enough to even imagine that they mean anything else than to hurt me. (laughs) Like everyone's out to get me or other people are trying to hurt other people all the time. And it's a really cynical way. I don't think it's like people like cartoon, like Fox News cartoonizes this idea into the snowflake culture. And I don't think that's accurate at all, uh, because I don't think that people are, uh, snowflakey or you know hurtable themselves they're worried about other people that they care about being hurt which is good right um and that like people that you know people that are in tenuous positions in society or are picked on traditionally and are often hurt they want to like help those people not be hurt and i think that's a really strong position um but unfortunately if you don't uh, argue that position from a point of personal strength in trusting that people mean to be good, then you'll miss the context and you'll think everyone is bad and everyone's trying to hurt each other constantly. And I think that's where we end up in lots of big, useless fights. I don't know if that made sense, but it's just like, I I want to try to make it like, I think that if people are more uh, trusting in people that uh, people are not trying to hurt everyone else all the time, and then the rest of the world is not made up of uh, villains that are trying to hurt, that are trying to hurt people that you love. Well, I then think you'll be better I, off. I,
0: the problem is, I think you're you nail it. It's like everyone's trying to villainize everyone else. Yeah. yeah, and 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 it was very interesting. Specifically on Facebook, I've gone on Facebook a couple of times uh, this last week to to do whatever, and I would see my feed, and I've actually gotten people uh, that have posted stuff on Facebook. That has been flagged by Facebook as being false, which is the first time I've ever seen that happen. Right. right? Yeah, it's they're interesting. Like, yeah, no, no, no. This has been, this is, this is false information. And I've, I've actually had to private message these people's like, do you realize you posted something or retweeted something or re something that is false? And they're like, oh, because they're so adamant about it to just attack without right. fact checking anything right. right that like and and listen uh, in terms of what they're sharing just like ideologically speaking i'm i'm with them but i can't support something that is false
1: mm. ever yeah yeah because like all the stuff it's like you know like just imagine that most people in the world are good and they mean good and just w- that everyone fucks up now and again and you'll have a like you're you'll have a healthier experience with humans try like right. trust people to be good and sometimes they say hurtful things and sometimes they fuck up or sometimes they are insanely insensitive and that happens all the time you know but people mean to be good and if you allow for that uh then you can talk about uh you can realistically talk about uh what uh, may have hurt you to them and they'll be understanding as opposed to defensive. And, uh, and I think that that's just a better position to start from. And I think that that is not, people want to frame that as being, you know, Oh, millennials are like this. Like everybody is like this. Everybody is on high alert all the time for offense from the other side. And, uh, I think that one of the great things, you know, one of the great things in this terrible mess that we're in right now is that I think, I feel like people are being kinder to each other because we are much more too. aware of being in on this together. And it really makes me, I mean, like, you know, this happened in 9-11 as well. I mean, 9-11, obviously incredibly horrible, but like you know, even on that day on Manhattan, when I was there, I was so stunned by how caring people were like in the streets with one another. That it changed how I looked at things and changed how I, what I expected out of humanity, right. and uh, for the better. And it's happened again with this. Like this is a giant, terrible thing. And yes, there is lots of stuff to argue about, and lots of people are making mistakes, and there are some bad actors, but largely the I feel like the dialogue, generally speaking, people have turned around and turned a corner on being more accepting of um, of, of trusting the idea that other people mean well and and want them to be want them to be well.
3: Mm. yeah well put
2: yeah
0: That's um what's come out of all of this it's gonna come out of this so i want to put a couple of things out there for people to realize because we have to wrap it up because i am actually recording this podcast from my youngest son's room and he needs to go to sleep so is that, that the karate room notice. It is it, yeah it's it, it is actually a, a, a karate conference room like like his his room is actually turned in because it's at the, the the end of the house that ends up being the quietest part of the the house so it ends up uh, we literally have a whiteboard outside his room that is a sign up sheet for like it's like a conference
1: room it's crazy um, <laughs> that's amazing quite funny also quite like funny. the idea of having karate conferences is pretty great
0: yeah. Uh, so uh and Pilates goes on in this room. There's a bunch of stuff going on and I'm I am, you know, pushing my limit at ten o'clock at night to tell you yeah, yeah. to go to bed. Um <laughs> but we should note a couple of things before we go forward. This is we had promised people promised we don't always abide by our promises. Actually we never do. Uh but we were gonna do some Woody Allen stuff. So this was the first of the Woody Allen movies uh, series we're going to do. We will do another one and another one. I think it's going to be a three-parter, so Mm -hmm. we will probably follow the middle of his career and the later part of his career, all of which are different parts. Um, You may not necessarily be a fan of Woody Allen, but I still recommend you follow these podcasts because I think Woody Allen is an important filmmaker, uh, regardless of what you think of him as a person. And We've covered that at nauseam on this podcast in terms of uh, separating art from artists, um, and that's a, uh, that's a thing. Additionally, uh, we are uh, also uh, dealing with uh, figuring out the technical difficulties of recording podcasts remotely. We are getting better. I think this one was better than the last one in terms of latency. So we'll deal with that. If you'd uh, like me to take can. ten seconds to respond to that, I will. But yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, you did really well so 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 we know that the latency has gotten a lot better since uh we recorded the last one, so that will hopefully help uh we'll deal with that um and then obviously, uh the other thing is uh we are not uh shy from having guests as well. Mm-hmm. so if you want to be on martini Giant and you are not in l a we Doesn't can have anymore. you. We can have <laughs> you on the podcast as well. You can be part That's of right. this crazy technical experiment and be part of it. So, uh, Martini Giant is open to guests outside uh, uh, outside of LA, or you know, if they want to be on there. So, we are up for that suggestion as well. So, that would be really absolutely, cool. yeah. Eric, any closing last... thoughts on Woody Allen? Yeah.
2: Uh, he's you know we've talked about it before. he's, he's absolutely a huge early Woody Allen is a huge influence on me as a kid. Um, I, I can't say enough. And I, I had been disappointed over the years. Um, and I drifted in the 90s and never really returned. But it's, it's nice to come back because a lot of these I've seen so many times. Right. It's my childhood. I mean, literally. Uh, yeah. And, and yeah, and it's, um, it's really brilliant stuff, really brilliant. He really was – he had a streak all the way up from me up to Crimes and Misdemeanors that was quite genius. Yep. Um, and, um, but I feel like uh, the early stuff – I'm excited to do the phase two because I think that's going to be – I think it's what? Annie Hall 2? Yeah. May, yep. Radio Days? Yep. Or something.
1: Star, yeah, uh, Stardust Memories, uh, uh, Annie Hall, Manhattan, uh, yeah. got all that stuff, yeah.
0: And I have Uh, some... What's uh, the uh, uh, Purple Rose of Cairo? Mm -hmm.
1: Broadway Danny Rose. Yeah. Lou, Lou, you're in a definite situation here.
2: Um, (laughs) Can I just say one thing? Sorrento, right? Yeah. Yeah, Just, you know.
3: That's my gesture. That's
2: my gesture. Um, That, I believe, was a movie in response to the fact that he was, you know, he was now with Mia Farrow. And uh, she was married to uh, Sinatra.
1: That's exactly true. That's exactly true. Oh, yep. He lives so out so his When life he goes memory, to Jersey,
2: sure. and they're like, "Hey, you know, concrete—that's like associated with organized." Cr-
1: I love concrete.
3: Oh, Everyone I love
2: concrete. needs it. A- Delegano. <laughs> it's like that's right. that's one right. white rose for Dan. <laughs> it's like I'm just a beard. So <laughs> but that was all. I think his response to uh, starting being married to to Mia. So know, without a
1: doubt. A yeah, yeah. and a you different. can fa- and that follows through through uh, husbands and wives that uh, attract. Right. All right, you know very much so. But we'll cover that in the next uh, installment of this. I now did some
2: really good grabs, and I'm going to send you the grabs. And if you can give me a photo, if not, I can manage it. But I got some good. No, ideas. no, no, no. Yeah, yeah. Great.
0: So, 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 yeah. Because obviously, we normally what happens is we all hang out in our in our office in Culver City, and we we do all this, the 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 photo shoot there but eric is going to send us pictures that he says do this and we will we will all photograph them on our phones or whatever we need to do to get them to them. because and, and them don't be proper. shy i can do anything anything <laughs> sure. and and the, bl- the uh, blinds are closed <laughs> yeah and my kids love love uh the the shoots in fact i changed the the, the desktop on i'm not saying uh the desktop on my computer often Two uh, backgrounds you made. So, oh, yeah. Now, yeah, I playing. think
2: we're all squared up with Clockwork, right?
0: Yes. Uh, yeah. Clockwork Orange yes. should be all squared up. So, that's yep. coming up next. Like, uh, I so. at, well, no By the one time you guys hear that. this. Obviously, for, for, long, as yeah. of this recording, that's going to be yes, our next podcast.
2: My be... only wildcat ones are this w- episode of Woody plus Wes Anderson.
0: Right. Wes Anderson. And then, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And for those who are listening right now, we hope you enjoy this podcast. (laughs)
3: All right.
0: You guys ready to do this? We got to do this loud. Do this loud. So get close to the mic to make sure we got it.
1: Right up on there.
0: Drink.
3: Talk. Drink.